Hi, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Long Hair Linda, and today's co-host, returning co-host is... That's Nathan again. How are you guys doing? Yay, how are you today, Nathan? I'm pretty good, you right. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm so, so excited to actually talk about the mm. last part of season three of Mr. Robot. Shall we just jump straight in? Yeah, 100%. Just, just, just go. Just go for just it. Go. Just go straight for it. Okay, so we're starting off with episode six. So if you're listening and you're like, huh, what? Part one was out last Wednesday. Go listen to that and then come back to this. Okay. Episode six, we go back in time to Angela's younger years, uh, specifically some type of party. Now, I didn't realise what party this was uh, until later on in the scene. It's super weird. It was kind of like a, a dying party for her mum. It's like a living way. I know people do do them. I don't think I'd, I'd ever do anything like this if I knew that I was going to be passing it seems a bit too melancholy i think might I mean, be the right word it's it was like... pretty awful there was like a cake mm. that said see you on the other side or something it was <laughs> yeah. just very like i don't know man it's a bit trippy for me i personally don't want to be involved in anything like that but okay you know each to their own um i mean angela wasn't having a good time she was sat in front of the tv she didn't want to talk to her mum but elliot's dad comes over sits next to her and basically talks you know talks her into going to talk to her mum, gives mm. her a little push, as he calls it, and asks that she do the same for Elliot if someday he's not there to do so himself. So Angela goes, talks to her mum and says this I'm dying party or whatever is not fun. And her mum says she believes that this isn't the end. There's another world for both of them and they'll see each other again. She asks Angela to believe with her. So I think this is a really good scene because it helps kind of helps us to understand how Angela could be manipulated by White Rose, depending yeah. on whatever White Rose has shown her. So back to present day and the moment that Elliot had confronted Angela, I remember, so always kicking off in the E-Corps offices. I'm so sorry if you can hear that motorbike in the background. <laughs> so everything's kicking off. And um, yeah, so we're now at the confrontation. So Elliot's questioning her and Angela says that they need to let today happen. Elliot is shocked to find out that Angela is okay with them blowing up a building, by them I mean the Dark Army, and yells at her and says that she's been manipulating him. She said this is what he wanted and he needs the courage to see it through for the revolution. She reveals to him that she met White Rose and Elliot calls White Rose a terrorist, which I thought was really, really interesting. He then yells that people are going to die. She says no, they'll be fine, including her mum and his dad. Elliot is then trying to get info on where they're operating from and where Tyrell is. And Angela stands firm in her decision basically to just not help him stop this. Elliot sees the re the uh, red wheelbarrow wrapper though, and seems to kind of figure out that, you know what, Tyrell might just be there. Over with Darlene and she is with the FBI when Elliot sends her the address uh, for the Red Bill Barrow barbecue and asks her to get the FBI to go stop Tyrell. Dom can feel Darlene hasn't quite told them everything that happened um, that morning with Elliot, but you know, what can she do? So Elliot is heading to the recovery building. So the one that they're going to blow up, he's heading there himself to try and stop this. So uh, with, back at the FBI, Dom tries to get Santiago, her boss. Remember, he's a uh, dark army plant. She's trying to get him to authorise a raid on the Red Wheelbarrow. 
and Santiago stalls, of course, and wants to have some kind of surveillance team kind of set up first. And they want to hold off, or he wants them to hold off for a while to make sure that he's actually going to be there so that he doesn't disappear again for another three months. Or did he say five months? I can't actually remember. I, it wasn't something I made a note of, to be honest. No, I didn't either, but it just the yeah. conversation popped into my head and I was like, wait, did he say three or five? Anyway, doesn't matter. Either way, he was stalling. So Dom storms out of his office. Santiago texts Irving as soon as she leaves. And um, I think I'm guessing, I'm guessing that it was Irving, but he said that the location is burnt and they need to, quote, take care of Wellick. So Philip Price and Jung meet at some rich people party and Jung promises to get China to sign the accord by the end of day uh, now that the UN vote has been sorted out. Jung says that they both won, they should enjoy the party uh, and just, you know, basically chill out. And the men appear to, you know, put their usual swords down and actually have a bit of a laugh and a drink together, which was really interesting. And then Jung gets a call about the location being burnt and he says that that doesn't change anything and that they know what to do. At the recovery building, the fire department is letting everyone back in. So I don't know if I actually wrote, if I mentioned this, I don't remember just reading it now, but Elliot did try and call in a bomb threat. I don't know if it happened in episode five or this one, I can't remember. I don't know if they actually showed you, but then there's like a large period of time in the previous episode where it's, and like we just focus on Angela instead of Elliot. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I feel like I remember him making the call, but I don't know. I think it might have been in episode five because he went outside to meet Darlene and then went back inside and spoke to Angela and then went back outside. So I feel like the first time he went outside after he spoke with Darlene or around the time he spoke with Darlene, I feel like he called in the bomb threat then, I think. Mm. Um, Anyway, it doesn't matter. He called in a bomb threat. So by the time that he gets to the recovery building, the fire department's actually letting everyone back in and they said that they didn't find anything. They didn't find a bomb or anything like that. So Elliot tells us, you know, when he was, he's, he's narrating, he's talking to us. Elliot tells us that they don't know what to look for, but he does. He sneaks into the line to go back in and swipes someone's key card and, um, and heads in. Do you think he took that guard's ID like way too easily, by the way? Way too easily. I feel so like they, literally they, just, they didn't care at that point. <laughs> yeah, they just needed to get some moving quickly. But it was just literally, I feel like he's being a little bit more clever in it, but it was literally like it was nothing yeah no i mean they did so much with like id badges later on mm. in, in the season that was clever but yeah this was very much like a let's just move the story along this isn't important <laughs> it did feel like that to me as well um so yeah so he snuck in now and elliot starts to get to work in some random office he's like he's like he keeps shifting into mr robot so we never actually see christian slater i.e mr robot we still just see elliot but he's he's not he he just jumps in and out you can tell that there's a little bit of time missing it's all a bit mad um it starts off with elliot uh, waking up in a cab realizing that he's lost 15 minutes he then gets out of the cab and runs back towards the recovery facility now these next four scenes that i'm going to um recap actually happened concurrently and intermittently but 
making notes like that was making mm. my head hurt. There's a few <laughs> so, scenes like that in later episodes where you get, I think it's like the very finale as well has yep. a scene similar where it you're did. just like, I don't know what part of the conversation to start talking about because it just keeps flipping back and forth between everyone. It's just like, Jesus. Especially when overlap. they do it with um, different timelines as well, which comes up later. That mm. confused the absolute shit out of me. So I've had to just, I had to bounce back and forth um, within my notes rather than writing them as they were happening because otherwise my, honestly i was starting to get headaches so i stopped doing that so so yeah just bear that in mind so i'm going to start with the first of the four scenes um, and just recap what happened in the entire scene even though this i just want you to know if you watched it or if you haven't seen it and you just for whatever reason like hearing us talking about it um this didn't happen exactly this way it's just a you know ease so the first scene is uh, with Mr. Robot and Elliot. So Mr. Robot cuts in again, but only for five minutes this time. And so Elliot is still in the building. Uh, Elliot heads back to his hack again, this little office space that he found with, you know, the laptop he's trying to do work. Mr. Robot keeps cutting in and it's again, but this time it was like for like a split second. Then Elliot carries on and leaves a note in the hack saying people don't have to die. And I think that note was for Mr. Robot to read. Mm then mr robot cuts in again and elliot wakes up to find that he smashed a computer much to the terror of an employee that he'd already been freaking out to be honest because he kept running in and out of that room looking absolutely insane so anyway the first part of the hack is done he does manage to do it it just took a long time because you know mr robot keeps fucking with him and um elliot needs to go to i think it's he called it the the battery room so um again mr robot keeps cutting in and out to, at one point he actually throws elliot down the stairs which is a very funny scene to watch um elliot just persists and asks us whether he and mr robot cancel each other out trying to use it to stop this attack while Mr. Robot is trying to use it on me. Does that just mean we cancel each other out? Fighting so hard we end up standing in place? Fuck that. I gotta keep moving. Dude, you okay? Elliot's basically beating himself up, but he does eventually make it to the battery room. I'm going to move away from that now because, again, these were four scenes that were happening together, so I'll come back to that a bit later. So the second out of the four scenes was Irving telling Tyrell that the Ukraine plan isn't going to work out. He gives Tyrell an envelope and says, you know, follow the instructions inside and then burn it. Tyrell is shocked that Irving isn't going to kill him. And Irving says he's sorry as he leaves. We don't actually see the instructions. We just see Tyrell burning the envelope and putting it in a bin, then pouring alcohol all over it. And just, it was all just very dramatic. Um, so FBI, Santiago calls his mum and tells her not to leave her home today, which at the time I was like, oh, wait, what? And obviously we realise why later, but um dom and norm have decided to take it upon themselves and just go to the red wheelbarrow barbecue dom goes in while norm stakes the outside she orders food and asks the server how long the place has been open um, after eating dom goes into the bathroom comes out again and heads into the kitchen to find a cook fanning smoke coming from a back room 
Norm says on an earpiece thing that they're both wearing that he's looking at the floor plan and on his screen, there's absolutely no back room on this plan. Dom calls in a possible Wellick sighting and pulls a gun and tells Norm that she's going in. So she uh, walks into the smoky room, sees random shit, including, you know, a bed with handcuffs attached to it, and then finds the basement where Tyrell was, but he is no longer there. The last thing that was happening in this little sequence was Angela on the subway. Uh, She spots a man with an F Society mask on and a suit acting really weird and a bit shaky. He then pulls a gun and robs two old ladies that were sitting opposite her and asks Angela for her purse. Angela just stares at the gun until the train stops and the guy just basically runs off. One of the old women says, uh, you know, you could have died. What the hell? And Angela responds, no, no one's going to die. So she is unraveling pretty early here. Um, I did love that scene, though. I love the two old women, like little banter between them before they got robbed, obviously. But yeah, that was a good scene. All right. So then it it went back into scene order now. So these are all things that were happening in normal pace, (laughs) unlike that little bit there. So Santiago kind of reprimands Dom for not following orders, but congratulates her as there's evidence that Tyrell was in fact in that basement recently. Uh, Darlene goes to see Angela. Um, Then a battered Elliot is finally in the battery room. (laughs) Battered battery, I didn't even realise I did that. Um, Then the next scene is Dom grabbing a coffee outside the, I think it's outside the FBI building. Next scene after that, Darlene says Angela fucked them and Angela insists that they're actually on the same side. Over to Elliot, he can't get into the uh, the part that he needs uh, in, the, in that room that he made it into. Uh, the door, there's a door that's locked and he needs to get into that main bit so that he can, I think it's, is it cool down the servers? Is that what he was trying to do? Yeah, because I think the idea was the room was filling with um, gas. So I think he needed to get the release in to cool them down before they ignite before they and burn the paper records and blow the building up right got it okay um back to darlene and she says that she saw angela manipulating elliot back to dom so remember i told you she's grabbing a coffee outside the fbi building well tyrell runs over and hands himself in to the fbi Back to Angela, and she is certain that they're evacuating the uh, building, the recovery building, back to the recovery building itself. And Elliot and Mr. Robot are communicating with each other via text on a laptop. Again, we still don't see Mr. Robot. We don't see him that bit, do we? I don't think so, no. No, we just see the text and Elliot, I think. Yeah, we we only see, like, what Elliot types in. Like, we don't see... We don't actually see him typing, do we? We just see him reading the note from Mr. Robot, I think, yeah. Um, back to Angela, and she says that this will mark the official end of E-Corp. Darlene says that she can lie to herself all she wants, but the shit will find her when she's alone at night. So back to the FBI building. So as Tyrell was being arrested, he's yelling that they have to stop the attacks. Now, it sounded like a taxa to me, because I literally wrote plural next to it. When they did the recap, though, you know, at the start of episode seven. Yeah. I heard it was just attack, but in the moment I wrote attacks and then in brackets in capital letters, plural. Anyway, then he said, uh, people are going to die back to Elliot. And he manages to convince Mr. Robot via this little communication thing they were having on the laptop, um, convince Mr. Robot to help him get into the room. And so he gets to go in there. 
Back to Angela. Angela says she knows what she's doing is right. Back to Dom and Dom asked Tyrell what attack. Again, these were just, it was the weirdest sequence of events here, but it wasn't as crazy as it was beforehand. So I could actually keep up with this. Um, uh, yeah, Dom asked Tyrell what attack and Darlene and Angela's phones start beeping. Elliot gets into that room and pulls a uh, lever that cools everything down, or whatever it is that that does. And um, he tells us, you know, he did it. He tells us uh, that he says we did it, him and Mr. Robot. And then he says, so what now? He, uh, he wonders if Mr. Robot understands that Tyrell and the Dark Army have corrupted his revolution. And if so, who will he fight, them or him? Jung gets a text and stares menacingly at Philip Price as he leaves. Remember, they were at that rich people party together. Now, the final scene was horrific. Uh, everyone is staring at their phones. Elliot is as confused as obviously we are. And he's like, is he missing something? He pulls up to a TV screen in a shop window where people were crying watching it. And there was a news report that reveals there were actually explosions at 71 E-Court buildings and the death toll was well into the thousands. And that was the end of episode six. Nathan, thoughts? So obviously like incredibly, it's just such a tense episode, especially the bit that you were trying to recap where it's multiple things happening once. They use that so effectively where each scene they're showing is just equally as, in, as like tense, just flicking through all these different moments. Um, yeah. One of the things as well at the beginning, I don't know if you, this it kind of ties into something later on, but um, obviously Angela's mum is talking to that lawyer that Angela consults in season one. Um, yes, yeah. About yeah. the Washington Zangship thing. And she mentions Thanks. an anonymous benefactor offering to pay for a chemo. And Angela's dad leaves when that gets mentioned. He's like, I'm, I'm going to go do something like it bothers him. Oh my God. Wow. It's, I never clued that one together, but obviously like, I, I knew what was going to be happening at the end anyway. So like yeah. I was kind of, I found myself looking more for clues towards future stuff now. Oh damn. I, I that and, went right over yeah, my head. Yeah. I met, I mentioned, I made a note to like, like I made a note about like properly of that. Why did I put his name? I put that's why Dom leaves, as if that's what her dad's name is. I don't think his name's Dom. I don't know why I put that. Yeah. I got a bit where like my notes were becoming, I put Darlene as Dom by accident at a time for some reason. Well, um, but yeah, that's like that that kind of stuck in my mind of ah, okay, but I don't they don't really hint towards it, but it's a little kind of hit like a little clue that's just left there, you know. Um the other thing as well that I realised afterwards, in my notes originally, I thought that stage two, secretly Dark Army had done it for the multiple buildings anyway. And I realised now it was multiple buildings because of Elliot getting all the paperwork moved. So if Elliot hadn't done that, only the New York building would have been targeted. Wait. Say that way, how? So so Elliot got all the shipments of all the paperwork moved, didn't he? So he had it sent to different facilities to try and like slow the plan down. Oh, by himself yeah, that's what he was doing when he worked yeah. at E-Corp before he got yeah. knocked out. Yeah, so yeah. That's, so that's why multiple buildings were blown up was because the paperwork got spread and they knew that. 
Holy Because originally they were all just going to be in the New York building. The New York building was going to get blown up. So it's because of Elliot that that, that, that bit happened. Like I, I was looking into it on like, I was reading a bunch of reviews and things afterwards of like of the series. And I saw someone mention that and like it kind of clicked in my head a bit because I, I just assumed that like Mr. Robot had secretly done it. But then he like but then he agreed to stop the New York building getting blown up. So like I I guess he must not have known that was gonna happen either at all. Yeah, I didn't think Mr. Robot had done it, but that does make sense in terms mm. of like the Dark Army only having to blow up that many buildings mm. because of what Elliot did, because of Elliot yeah. trying to slow everything down. And it works out better for uh, White Rose and Zhang in the end as well anyway, because that's kind of, they they really wanted to stick it to Price. Yeah, it was all about the most destruction, wasn't it? And that's yeah. way more than just blowing up one building. Something else as well, but I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. Um, I quite like the little uh, Price and Zhang's awkward type conversation. Where you can yeah, tell, they like, had a little laugh. <laughs> yeah, like the whole relationship is based off just kind of one-upping each other. So when they just chill out for a bit, they have a bit of a laugh. And there's just this kind of awkward silence going on. And like just this bit where like they kind of, they kind of both look at each other, nod in silence. And then it looks like Price goes to say something like, nah. And he just nods and leaves. <laughs> I, loved, I loved that little interaction between them when they're, when they're not going at each other's necks. Like it was just, they realise they have nothing else in common. Yeah, they really don't. Just constant power moves is all they have in common. Mm. All right. Should we get into episode seven? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into the aftermath. Okay, so... Episode seven opens with Leon and he's got Trenton and Mobley tied up after killing their housemate, watching news of the attack. He says he's there to babysit them as he rants about rants, rants. No, it's definitely rants, isn't it? Do you know what I find myself doing? Just quick side note. Because I've lived up north for so long now, I, I hear when I say words wrong. And it's almost as if now my brain overcompensates and I say things to be extra posh <laughs> when that's not how I would say them anyway. Like when I see rants, I feel like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to ant it. I need to ant the sound, even though it's rant and not rant. Does that yeah, make stay sense? True. Yeah, stay true to your roots kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm like overcompensating it and I'm mm. doing it with words where I would never have said that in the first place, even before I lived up north. <laughs> anyway. I have that at work with like some some words like you'll be saying them normally but like up like with repairs restore like sometimes my brain won't say the word properly I go repair like I'll put emphasis on that last bit weirdly and say it, <laughs> it doesn't go along with it it's so like the worst one is restore and like the like more the store gets announced and I like no one ever seems to bring it up to me but like every time I say it, I'm like oh they probably don't notice it's probably just an yeah. internal thing that you're really like hyper aware of it now <laughs> Um, so yeah, Leon's ranting about Knight Rider and he's still ranting as he takes them on this drive through he the desert. This is a quick one because I made a note about this. I, I love his monologues about TV. His first rant was about Frasier not being realistic because he gets laid more often than makes sense. And then I think the second oh, one that you funny. mean is the one was about <laughs> Knight Rider being like the most underrated show, having the best like theme tune which to be fair is true 
Beam Tuna Night Rider is impeccable. It is very good, from what I remember. It's been a while. Well, they play it afterwards, don't they? Like, they play it instead of, like, intro music, they actually play the Night Rider. <laughs> oh, do they? Jeez, yeah. I don't know what I was doing. Was I not paying attention <laughs> at all? <laughs> Obviously not. Okay. So, um, Elliot rushes to his therapist, Krista, in tears, struggling to say what has happened and suddenly can't talk properly. And then Mr. Robot appears. Mr. Robot is frustrated that Elliot won't speak to him directly and says that it's not him Elliot has to worry about. It's the string pullers that manipulate everyone for control. Um, and Mr. Robot actually admits that he was the architect behind Five Nine and wants to find the people who have warped his revolution. He's frustrated that Krista doesn't truly believe that he was behind it and connects the dots for her about Elliot's work history, the hacking, etc., etc. So uh, there's an F Society video that's been released and it's uh, it's warning of more attacks within 24 hours. Santiago, Dom and Tyrell's lawyer are sitting together and the lawyer is trying to get Tyrell a deal in exchange for leads on the real terrorist. Later, Dom asks why Santiago keeps sitting on credible leads and says something is not adding up. Darlene and Angela are watching the news at Angela's place and Angela turns to Darlene and legit asks if the 3000 plus people now that have died ask if they're going to be okay. She's she's really not doing well. Angela is not okay. It's like evident with every scene that she's in. It's just like this girl is not well right now. Um, Back to the FBI, Tyrell still doesn't know that his wife is dead as he's in the interrogation room. Santiago's on the phone with his mum again and says that she shouldn't have told anyone after he told her to stay home just before you know news of the attack broke. Uh, someone comes into Santiago's office when he gets off the phone and says Tyrell has identified two people from the book and that he keeps asking to see his family. Santiago then goes to the interrogation room, turns off the camera and tells Tyrell that his wife was killed almost two weeks ago by a dude she was banging, actually said those words, and that his son is in a foster care home with a one in five abuse rate. Tyrell says, says that he's lying and Santiago promises Tyrell that he won't have a place, uh, he won't live to place a flower on his wife's grave and that he'll make sure that his son becomes just another statistic if Tyrell goes against the plan. So Tyrell just breaks down crying. Santiago switches the camera back on and leaves. I've got to say, I know he's a bad guy. I know he's with the Dark Army, all of that. This was the cruelest scene I have seen from Santiago and I did not expect mm. that at all. I think as well, it's like part of him panicking as well. Like he's kind of, he's, He's doing the the idea of what he thinks the Dark Army would want him to do. Yeah. So he's, so he's going like almost overboard in terms of the threats. It was just so cruel. Like, Ooh. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm kind of indifferent about Tyrell now, but I disliked Tyrell for most of the show. <laughs> um, definitely all of season one and and I mean he was hardly in season two so yeah I disliked Tyrell for the most part before this season and even then if this had happened at the time when I disliked him that much this still felt super cruel like it was so over the top 
and just mean and not nice did not like it did not enjoy anyway back to the desert in arizona uh, leon stops and pulls a shovel uh, out of the trunk and starts digging trenton and mobley obviously panic that uh, he's digging a grave for us what the hell Trenton says to Mobley that the email that she uh, she put together is set to go out automatically to someone that she trusts. This email has information on 5-9. I don't think at this point we know anything about what's really in this email. It kind of seems like it's just really a fail safe for her. Um, Trenton manages to actually slip her ties because they're both still tied up. And uh, Mobley tells her to drive. Trenton says, look, I don't know how to drive. I never needed to learn. Um, but realizes that she doesn't have a choice. So she starts driving off and crashes into a rock. Leon then says, that's no way to treat a Cadillac, which was very funny to me. I didn't even write that down. I just remembered it. That's why I started laughing. Um, okay, back to Krista. And she's talking to her attorney, saying that she almost reported Elliot to the authorities. She's sure that Elliot had something to do with the 5-9 attacks and her attorney basically talks her out of it and just says, look, every crazy person is claiming to have had something to do with 5-9. She shouldn't worry about this. Is that her attorney? I thought it was like another therapist because I know that therapists and counsellors, those kind of people, they have another person that they have to talk to in regards to any concerns that are raised. The reason I thought that he was her attorney is because at some point they were talking about seeking counsel. Ah, okay. So that's what made me think that that was her attorney and she was checking the boundaries of whether she could report something because they have to they they have to have legal representation because if somebody reports a, like it has to be a fine line doesn't there that's why that's yeah. how i took it anyway like they can't just call the police and divulge patient information but unless that they're aware of a serious crime that's about to happen or has happened like if mm. they if the patient admits it that's when they have to like they have a duty to report on something there's yeah. some rule there so that's what made me think because he he's she at some point said that's why i was seeking your counsel or so, or he said I'm glad you sought my counsel, something like that, okay. which made me think that that was her lawyer rather than her therapist or just a colleague. But I could be wrong because we so, never really see him again. Yeah, do we? It's, it's one of those things that's kind of just left unexplained because it doesn't need to be explained. Yeah. So back to Angela and she's replaying a building collapsing on the TV over and over and over again as Darlene returns back to her place. Um, she tells Darlene that the death toll is almost at 4,000 people. Um, she says that everyone's going to be okay, though, as she rebinds the same part over and over again. And she goes, see, they're fine. And, but that's when she's pressed rewind again and the building goes back up. But then she presses play and, of course, the building collapses, which means that all those people died. But then she says, look, they're fine. And then hits rewind again. That was a huge clue as to what White Rose, mm. the dream that, that White Rose has sold her. But on its own is very much like Angela's having a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's like her breakdown is kind of fueled by, well, the only thing stopping her from fully going off the deep end is what the hope the White, right, White Rose has left her with. Yeah, the belief that everyone's actually okay or going to be okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, Mr. Robot, shows up to Irving's car shop yelling stage two was his operation and you assholes 
went rogue um, and someone hits him on the head, knocking him out. I'll come back to that because the next scene, I'll come back to that. I have an issue with that, but I'll come back to it. So the next scene is uh, Philip Price. So Philip Price returns to uh, Jung at the party and realizes that Jung's plan, like all of this, because he knows that it was that it was with his say so. It was, you know, he had something to do with it. He realizes that Jung's plan was actually to get rid of him rather than get rid of E Corp. Um, Jung says that Price was supposed to manipulate and control Angela, but he failed to do so, so he had to. He only installed Price as CEO to protect his, you know, Washington Township plant. And uh, Jung wants him to hire his own replacement and move the plant to the Congo. Uh, Philip loses his call and asks what Jung's end plan is and calls him sadistic wants an explanation but Jung says he destroyed so much because he had to ask him twice that was such a chilling fucking mm. delivery of that line first of all BD Wong yeah <laughs> BD Wong and secondly holy shit that was mental I had to ask you twice you've now killed over 4,000 people in just these explosions alone, not to mention all the other people that Dark Army has had killed in various parts of this plot. And it's because you had to ask him twice? It's just, it's just, it's just chilling, there's no other way to describe Jeez. it. Like, it's just so, like, like, Zhang, they're, they're very, him and, and White Rose, are obviously they're the same person, but, like, they're, they're similar. But like, I find that White Rose is that, maybe slightly calmer version of him yeah that makes sense like, i think you're right but then also not at the same time she can be just as brutal as he can be i feel like i feel like they're both yeah they could both be brutal but jong's brutality I don't know if I'm going to use the right word in here, but I feel like Jung's mentality is more like methodical, more rooted in, not necessarily methodical, that's the wrong word, but more rooted in ego. Mm. Whereas White Rose's brutality is rooted in the belief in this project. Does that make sense? Yeah. Obviously yeah. Jung believes in the project too. They're one and the same person, um, at least physically. But I feel like White Rose is like, I feel like white foot right okay i feel like white rose and jung are elliot and mr robot hmm. elliot's got this greater good thing in the back of his head which means he's still going to do the wrong thing i quote unquote the wrong thing obviously not in the same league as these guys but he's going to quote unquote do the wrong thing because the the ends justify the means and i feel like that's white rose mr robot Yes, he wants a revolution, but he's so egotistical that he was willing to partner, continue the partnership with Tyrell and the Dark Army behind Elliot's back to Elliot's detriment because he believed in his plan so much. And that was so rooted in ego. And I think that's Jung. Jung's like, I had to ask you twice. Whereas White Rose would have, in that scene, in my mind, obviously we don't know this is a, you know, a show, but in my mind, White Rose would have been like, my project is too important for me not to have sent this message. 
sense. Whereas Jung worded it as I had to ask you twice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like John John is basically similar to Mr. Robot, where he he does the hard work that White Rose doesn't want to, or or it or hasn't got not the mental strength or like well she mental strength is the word like to do you know like elliot wouldn't do the stuff that mr robot does but elliot is doing the stuff that mr robot does right but also elliot will do terrible not terrible things but do things that go against what he morally wants to do if he believes he absolutely has no choice for the end goal and white rose is very much like that i think from what we've seen of her I definitely mm. see that juxtaposition. I don't know if that's on I'm guessing it's on purpose because, you know, the writers in this don't really do much by mistake. But, like, there is such huge juxtaposition with John White Rose and Mr. Robot and Elliot. It's just so, like, palpable to me. But anyway, that's besides the point. Back in the desert, Trenton and Mobley are now digging and Trenton wonders if they're being recruited to the Dark Army to help with future attacks. Oh, God, if only she knew um right back to mr robot this is the thing that annoyed me so if you remember he went to irving's uh, car shop thingy sales place and he was yelling da 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 and then someone hit him on the head and knocked him out when he woke up it was still mr robot and it wasn't elliot didn't think about that how yeah because every time or the one major time or the way that they're making it seem, but definitely that one major scene that we actually saw was that if Elliot shows up and you knock him out, that puts him away for a bit. So how come Mr. Robot just came right back when he gained regained consciousness and it wasn't Elliot? Hmm. I that I've not thought about that unless it was like a de- I wouldn't I was gonna say like a defensive thing but I don't know that's wouldn't be a defensive thing because if it was that then when Elliot was getting beat up by uh do you remember like Ray yeah last season I mean yes he was still talking to Mr Robot but why didn't Mr Robot take over in that moment when he was getting absolutely hammered and then when he woke up again does that make sense? Like, what? How? Yeah, how yeah, did no, Mister yeah, Robot like, be the so. one to regain consciousness in this scene? I don't get it, but it was him anyway. Um, so he's regained consciousness in the back of Irving's car, and Irving points out people having fun at a venue opposite. So they get out of the car, and he looks at a, you know a venue, some kind of politician's party or something, and um, Irving points them out and says, "Look, despite the biggest attack in U.S. history, these people are here having fun. They're not going to stop having fun." Um, Irving says that this whole revolution thing was bought and paid for by people like them, gesturing to these politician people, and that no matter how hard he tries, that's always the end result. Irving is headed in, he lets him know that he's headed in because a senator's mistress has OD'd in a bathroom. So, yay, politicians. (laughs) Um, Back to the desert and Leon, well, they're not really in the desert anymore, they're still in Arizona though, Leon drops Trenton and Mobley off at her house and leaves them with... Jung's right-hand man. I've upgraded from calling him the advisor. I think right-hand man makes more sense here. I've just been calling him assistant. I've not. I've not had a name for him. I've been a bit. I don't think we ever hear a name. Hmm. Because if neither of us have picked it up, usually I won't pick (laughs) it up. But you normally do. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, it's it's like it's. I haven't like most people. I've been like abbreviating the names when I've had to say them a lot. He's always just Young's assistant every single time I've got him on it. Yeah, I started calling him the assistant. Then I said the advisors. I've had him in my notes and as advisor for so long. But after the last couple of episodes of this season, I've been calling him uh, Jung's right hand man. Mm. So I'm just going to start from here, even though it still says advisor in my notes at this point. <laughs> Guess they got here sooner than I thought. Why I'm catching motherfuckers, you know? What's going on? Who are these people? This is where we say our goodbyes. What? You're leaving us with them? As you know, I'm I'm only a chaperone here. Well, what happens now to us? Well, that would be up to him. And I got my fingers crossed. He treats you guys all right. We see that Trenton and Mobley's pictures are on the news, tying them to F Society. And a colleague of theirs, you remember they were working in that place in Arizona in that mm. um, shop and they were going under Fred and Tanya. Uh, this colleague says, oh my God, it's Fred and Tanya, as he looks over. It was just a way to show that they were now on the news. Back at the house, Trenton and Mobley are sat down at computers to hack slash install some kind of malware to crash planes or something. Trenton says, hold on a second, the exploit has already been written, why do they need them? Jung's right-hand man says that people in the Dark Army are ready to die for their cause without even thinking about it. Basically, um, they're going to frame them for the attacks and make it look like they killed themselves after. Later on, FBI raid the home and find both Trenton and Mobley dead, RIP them. And the staged F Society paraphernalia everywhere and an Iranian flag as well. Uh, so Trenton is Iranian. Um, Santiago says that he knows that they would have preferred to find them alive, but at least they've prevented another attack. Dom goes and crosses them off the suspect board, the massive whiteboard thingy, and adds a post-it note at the top of the board with White Rose's name written on it and says to herself, you're actually going to get away with this. And that is the ep end of episode seven. Nathan, thoughts? So, but that whole ending scene is so tense, just because you know exactly what's happening. Like, you know mm. exactly what they're going to find. You just kind of watch it there. Like, you just know that, like, Trent and Moby just aren't coming away from that. It's, it's heartbreaking for them to be, like, scapegoated like they were. Honestly, I was still, I knew what was going to happen. Like when I started seeing all of that happening, I was like, yeah, they're definitely going to kill them. Da, da, da. I still wasn't prepared though, when they were turning the bodies over with the FBI raid. Um, yeah, it still made me really sad. I still had a little hope that like at least one of them would have made it or something, but for both of them to be dead like that, I was just like, oh. yeah. So it's obviously what they've done there is it goes back to what um, Jung talked to that uh, right wing conspiracy guy about. Mm hmm about he wanted him to start fanning up like theories that Iran is responsible for five nine. Oh, had he said that? Yeah. So, that, so oh. obviously they they meet briefly, don't they? Before he go, he, like they. I don't think they. I think they probably briefly showed his his show in the background on a TV where he starts doing it. But essentially, Jung 
tasked him with um, fanning the flames of it, starting this conspiracy that Iran is responsible for it. And now this helps as well. So like that's why the Iranian flag said, because they're pushing it all onto Iran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just such a hard, it's just so, it's, they, they were such good characters. It's always like it's. I wanted them to make it so bad, mm. especially because there was like a brief moment of hope where, like, they kind of well, it's not I say hope in the least, the, the some sense that they thought they were being recruited to the dark army briefly while they were digging the uh, the grave for a bit after the car crash. I think Trenton mentions then they think they might be getting recruited for it, and then like they kind of did, but not. Not in well, I say not in a good way. Not not in like the way they would hope to. Yeah. It was, it was. It very much gave me the 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 raid bit. Kind of gave me vibes of um. Uh, was it when they took out Osama? I don't know why. I think it was just like the pit, like the footage of everyone around that control room watching the footage back. So obviously you've got the pictures of him watching that as well. Obama mm. watching that. I didn't think of Osama, but I did think of similar stuff. Like, there's a lot of that type of... Um, mm. If you watch Homeland, that's, like, all of them. If you watch... or not all of them, actually. Most of the time, they will just drone places and communities. But um, Zero Dark Thirty was very much that, wasn't it? Because I think that was based mm. on the the team that killed o- Osama bin Laden or something. So, so, yeah. All right. You ready to get into episode eight? Yes. So, um, I really liked this episode a lot. It was very heartwarming. So, episode eight, we go back in time to a scene at a cinema with a young Elliot and his very sick dad at this point. Um, Elliot's dad asks if he'll ever be able to forgive him for not being the best dad to him, and Elliot says no. In that moment, Elliot's dad just basically has this major coughing fit and then passes out. Elliot, in a very unfeeling manner, grabs his dad his dad's uh, Mr. Robot jacket and goes into a screen as everyone is panicking around his probably at this point dead dad. Elliot sits down in the cinema screen, turns to the empty chair next to him and says, shh, the movie's about to start. So quick notes on that one. Uh-huh. Obviously that's the, like that's set after Elliot's accident because he's got his broken arm yep. from the whole window thing that's been like loot, like referenced throughout the whole show. Mm-hmm. And that's also kind of I put it down as like that seems to be the birth of the Mister Robot persona. Yes. As you saying about it being potentially that like his dad's just died there, I don't think we ever given like get given a proper time frame for when his dad passes away, other than how his dad passed away. It would definitely be when they were young, but I don't. Yeah, we know really that. Recall. We know that um, Darlene and Elliot's dad died when they were young-ish and what he died of. We just don't know how he died. So that's why I'm like assuming that's that's it. Yeah, yeah. It it would make sense for it to kind of be at that point because obviously that's after everyone, like, well, people know about his cancer now. That's kind of come to the forefront. Yeah. Um, Because obviously that's what the whole window broken arm thing's about. I think. 
it's around about that kind of from what they've hinted yeah, in the past it's around about those incidents isn't it yeah Elliot Elliot has has been saying since the beginning when he's been talking about his dad throwing him out the window he's been saying that his dad threw him out the window because he was mad that he told his mum about the cancer so yeah everyone knows about the cancer at the time he gets thrown out the window um and obviously they're going to go watch back to the future after because he's like he said his arms and a thingy so mm. yeah it's uh, that is that's got to be the birth of mr robot that has to be what that symbolizes yeah. because he took the jacket he wore the jacket it says mr robot on it and he turns to absolutely no one and says Shh, the movie's about to start so yeah so it, it's i think it's at the very least the earliest inclination of it because that's when we see like any kind of flashback of younger Elliot, he seems a lot more chipper. Yeah. Like this is him at like a low point. So I think it makes the most sense that this is him becoming the Elliot that we know. And that that's where his personality split yeah. into him and Mr. Robot. And that would explain why he has had memory problems for so long. Because if Mr. Robot has been with him, if that personality has been with him since he was that young, that means that there have been so many instances where it wasn't him, it was Mr. Robot. And so he won't remember those interactions. Mm. Um, which means he doesn't have memory problems at all. And it's just that, well, he, he, he does. He does to some extent, because he didn't remember Darlene. That was bad. But <laughs> aside from that, um, well, isn't it like a, I think it's a symptom of some mental illnesses where you like you misremember events? Yeah, I mean, you do. Yeah. He he misremembered that of uh, the window thing, obviously, but yeah. we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, I think that is a thing that you misremember. But I, I think it goes to explaining the gaps that he has in his memory a lot is the fact that it the Mr. Robot's been with him since he was young. Mm. And we have to take into account the fact that he medicates a lot with friggin' drugs. So that fucks with yeah. your head anyway. Um, there's a lot, man. Elliot's a complicated lad, bless him. So, um, back to present day, Elliot seems to be working on another hack while talking to us about what happened with Trenton and Mobley. He's pondering if they were, quote, deleted because they were taking up too much space. Darlene turns up to appeal to Elliot to reach out to Angela. Elliot hasn't left his place for three weeks, we find out, and Darlene is stressed that the attacks weren't down to him. No, sorry, Darlene stresses that the attacks weren't down to him, and he says even if it was him, it was him, as in even if it was Mr. Robot, it was still him. Elliot goes to get drugs again. I That's the only note I wrote uh, about uh, those couple of scenes they made me highly uncomfortable and i think i just couldn't write notes on them so if you mm. have notes that you want to go over on that interaction you're welcome to insert them here to find my notes now for it, actually um yeah so it, it kind of made me a bit uncomfortable as well uh, i quite liked his detail about why elliot was buying that much morphine so I, I wrote that bit down about there were three reasons he's either a cop he's reselling it or he's buying to kill himself mm-hmm now, obviously, with, with this one, we'll discuss about a bit more, but at what point did you kind of realise what Elliot's aim was? Like, what his plan was? Uh, then. That, at that point? Yeah. Did you have suspicions before that? Because the dog thing, like, when he gave his dog to his neighbour, 
that was kind of uh, oh no, that's after this bit never mind like that. yeah i was gonna say i, did, I don't even this. remember that it was before he left he gave his dog to his neighbor and he, he'd forgotten that the toy that he said the dog really liked was already at the neighbor's um like a purple eggplant thing oh was um, that before he went to Coney i think Island? he was uh, yeah it was that was before he went to Coney Island, that was one of the first thing he did so like he's done the two cds he's wiped his hard drive and everything he gave a dog to his neighbor um he's told darlene to come hang out the next day and they'll watch their favorite film together it was the dog bit because how he how he looked at the dog before he left was one of those kind of it was like he was kind of silently going like saying like goodbye. goodbye yeah but it was, it was kind of near there but then obviously like i think we the same with you um when that guy listed those reasons that's when it fully clicked for me mm-hmm. yeah the whole thing made me really sad mm. um I, I I just didn't I didn't like that interaction with the drug dealer guy as well. I just the whole thing just made me really uncomfortable and sad. And yeah, I was just like, oh, it was. I don't listen, uh, feel bad. It, it was what he was saying after he said that third one. It was like, mm, no, that's just ugh. yeah. All right, so um, after those sequences of scenes um, or scene sequences, however you phrase that. After that, Elliot goes to see Trenton's family, and wait, I think he did. He go to see Mobley's brother first because yeah, I Mobley's only made a note first. when he goes to see him the next time. Yeah, he he went to see Mobley's brother first. Okay, and then obviously Mobley's brother was like, "Get the fuck He's out!" Dick. Yeah, Mobley's brother is a grade A dick. Um, so Elliot goes to see Trenton's family and tells her dad that he believes that she's innocent, but doesn't have answers to his questions about why she even went to Arizona in the first place. Um, her dad says that he knows someone set her up and that this country blames Muslims for everything. Uh, they're packing up to leave and her dad thanks him for saying nice things about his daughter. So uh, Elliot goes, he's leaving for uh, Coney Island. And um, as he sat on the beach and he kind of gets the big bag of morphine pills out, he opens them and it turns out that um, Trenton, real name Sharma, Sharma's little brother had followed him and basically doesn't know how to get home. Well, actually, before that, he says, um, what does he say? He said, are you sick or something? Why have you got that many pills or whatever? Mm. Um, Elliot's kind of just trying to brush him off and says, go home. We said, I don't know how to get home. He said, well, how'd you get here? And said, well, I followed you. Uh, so Elliot then has to take him home and um, typical kid the whole way asking a million questions when they arrive at, um, at the family home no one's in and Sharma's little brother doesn't have a key and um, he says well, you know what my parents usually leave me here alone anyway when they go out he asks if Elliot likes me well actually he asks a bunch of questions which Elliot says no to all of them. I can't remember what they all were. But the last one he asks is whether he likes movies, and Elliot says he used to. Sharma's little brother then says that he's never been and asks whether Elliot would take him. He then says that his parents are in Connecticut, so they should go to the movies to pass the time. At the cinema, Back to the Future is playing, and Elliot says that it's weird that it's playing on this day, 
What was special about the day? Do you know? Um, I think it's because it's the, obviously what he was planning to do. I think it might have been that might have been the significance of it being, oh, this day. I know that in regards to him saying, I've always wanted to see it on this day, because I think there were like two contexts. Because he mentioned yeah, he said, always I've wanted always to wanted to see it on this because... day. And there were super fans that were dressed up there as it's well, wasn't it? A special because um, they show the fit. It's a thing on the front of the theatre. Basically, the day that episode is set is the day Marty goes back into the future on. You know, there's always that meme that gets shared like on Facebook every now and then where it goes like, oh, this is the day that Marty, Marty McFly went back in back to in Back to the Future. Or like he went to in the future or something like that. It's basically that date is when is when he travelled back in time. I've got to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen that. I'm really I, not I remember, it, it, always, it, it, it pops media. up on a few social medias. It's always, the date is always different every time. So it'll always um, go, oh, this oh, is... Oh, October yeah, this is 21st, 2015. Yeah. yeah, so that episode, I don't know if it aired on that day or not, but like basically it's like that Didn't day... Didn't it air is... in 2017? Yeah, I, I mean, the day of the, the, the day and month it was, not the um like the year, but yeah. Oh, okay. Got you. No, I did okay. November 29th. November 29th? That's when the episode aired. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, what? No, it says 21st of October here. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Google Live. Yeah, but whenever you sit, but uh, so yeah, so that episode was set on October 21st, which is why it was significant to him, because obviously like, it's his favourite film, so he's like proper fanatic like those people are. So I guess like I guess some film like cinema in America would do that kind of thing, mm-hmm. where they would like show the film on a specific date got yeah okay so um yeah so they're in the cinema now with a bunch of super fans and get into a bit of a debate in the queue about what the movie is about so what is this film about anyway it's hard to explain it's about going into the future to change the past and coming back into an alternate present day. No, uh, you can't go into the future to change the past. It's way heavier than that. He goes into the future to change the future, but that allows Biff to change the past, which changes the future again. No, no, it's much simpler than that. It's about how one mistake can change the world. Now see Back to the Future, part two. Are you sure we can't see The Martian? Come on, you're gonna love it. The Martian has 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's because most critics have shitty taste. Um, in the screen, Elliot realises that Sharma's little brother has sneaked out while Elliot's distracted holding a guy's flux capacitor for him. Lol. And um, I feel like the reason I've summed this very quickly is because I watched Back to the Future, obviously, but a very long time ago. I haven't rewatched it. I'm not, you know, a super fan, as I know so many people are. So I feel like I missed out on a lot of very crucial references in here. Like there was, I'm, I could feel it. You know, when you're watching something, you know, I'm yeah. I'm missing a lot of stuff. Like when I watch a battle that's got loads of references, I have no idea. I'm just like, I'm missing <laughs> so, this would be so sick if I had watched any of this shit that they're talking about. Just um, nod along, pretend you understand it. It's the same with me. I'm just like, yeah, that, that sounded good. Yeah. 
like it sounded and everyone's losing it and it's just i'm i'm sure that was fantastic i have no clue what's going I, on though <laughs> that's how it felt anyone, watching these scenes. i don't think anyone gets the references half the time and they all just react like they do i think you're right i think a lot of people do react and they don't actually know um i've actually t- <laughs> it's funny you say that there have been multiple events where i've been asked afterwards outside what xyz meant i remember um... and i'm not i don't look when people are reacting but the reaction was so loud that i've yeah. been surprised that anyone asked me because it felt like the entire room reacted i had that with i that there was like an event in dublin last year and someone had like a rebuttal that was um, a wrestling reference and the whole place erupted and i literally had to turn to the person next to me and go like what the fuck did that mean because <laughs> it was like it's it was more than the normal type of reaction you would expect i was like right that was really significant i don't understand explain this to me explain yeah i don't get like 90 percent of wrestling wrestling bars or references yeah. i just don't get them because i'm not a wrestling fan like that but i do keep up with like the biggest news because i don't like not knowing yeah and i'm very partial to especially because frankie fraser used to do this a lot he used to have wrestling bars a lot a lot a lot and i used to want to understand what the hell he was saying because i loved everything else he was saying and i just didn't know what he was talking about in those moments so then i have been known to google things afterwards like if i'm watching it on youtube or pay-per-view or something i'll google certain references to that i understand and then literally i will have i will have seen this battle however many times and because i now understand that reference i'm like that was sick <laughs> like i really appreciate it even more i've done the same thing with soul references soul references so many of them would go over my head i'd catch about 50 60 percent of what soul was talking about i knew it was great though because what i did understand was fantastic but when i googled certain things after the fact it's almost like an extra little layer of oh my god that oh, yeah, was amazing it's it's wrestling ones i'm like it sounds good so i'm like yeah that's but i'll have to google it later it's the football ones as well where i'm just like nah you, you've lost me completely yeah unless you're talking about stuff that was very much in the news i won't yeah. like it has to be as obvious as bizzo's one about ronaldo pushing coke to the side like if it's yeah. not that or a name flip of a very famous footballer i'm not going to understand it yeah. so have fun it's, um, it's his, like he had like a ronnie fowler reference as well like, yeah, i know the name Robbie but Fowler, i don't know what, yeah, i don't Fowler. i don't know what the robbie fowler thing is uh, i mean if it's if it's big stuff then i'll know but yeah. if it's like the position that somebody plays and he had a particularly crazy but I, I, mate i don't know i won't know it like i just don't i won't know any of that but like the name of like i know who robbie fowler is so I understood yeah. that and I was like, oh, that makes sense because I'll do Robbie Fowler. Robbie is Bobby Rex's real name. Like, I get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, if he actually, if he had said something extra that only would relate to Robbie Fowler, I'd have just been like, huh? <laughs> sure, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Or like anything that needs me to know something about these footballers or managers or whoever. Like I won't, I won't, yeah. if it's not a famous name, I won't have a clue. Um, and it very much, going back to Mr. Robot, it very much felt like that when I was watching this. I was yeah. like, I know I'm missing. All I got was Flux Capacitor. 
and yeah. I know that the guy sitting next to me is dressed like Doc Brown. Outside of that, I don't know what's happening. I've no idea. I I was trying to figure out if there was like any significance to the scene they had on, but I I kind of didn't really make much note of it. But like, I wondered if the scene they chose to show whilst mm. in that thing was like something pertinent to what was going on. Do you know um, what? With the writing, it's possible. It's very possible. Yeah, I also want to know why they hate the Martians so much. Why they hate the Martians? <laughs> like they really went at it a little bit more. Like I've not seen the Martian. I've heard good. Oh, things. it was great. It was I loved just, it. It's like, there was at least twice when and it's just like that nah, shit. Like, I really terrible. liked it. Yeah, I definitely. I remember. Um, I remember Sharma's little brother saying, "Oh, but it's got ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes," and oh, I just said tomatoes because I was thinking of him saying it. Fuck <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, and um. Elliot then says, yeah, but critics don't know shit or something like that. And it's just like, all right, guys, there's nothing wrong with this. The writer's got a couple of gripes he needs to get out at the moment. (laughs) I mean, I know there are certain bits. I would say watch The Martian, first of all, because I liked it. But there are certain bits where you're a bit like, all right, chill out, Matt Damon. Like, it's not that, like, it's not going to be the best movie you've ever watched in your life. If you're there to get some kind of, like, life-changing scenes, that's not going to happen for you with The Martian. It's just not. But it, they didn't deserve that much hate. That's for sure. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> it, it was it was an unnecessary. Like, I'm glad they did it because it was funny. But like, it was it funny. Was, it was like that bit more like the first one. I was like, fair enough. And then the set like he's comparing it to Back to the Future. Of course, Elliot's going to want to see this. And it's just like they kept going. It was like, ah, okay, right. There's something going on here. Yeah, it did feel a bit, a bit mean. Yeah. But um. Okay, so um, Elliot heads to the mosque and finds Sharma's brother there. He seemed to just somehow know that he'd be there. Um, he wants to know why, sorry, Sharma's brother wants to know why Elliot, do the we ever find out his thing. name? Uh, I don't think we do. With the mosque thing, I'm pretty sure during their conversation when they're talking, he mentions about his sister's taken to a specific mosque all the time. Ah, that makes and sense. And used to always, that. whenever she put her shoes back on after they prayed, he felt she like would slip and fall over or like would almost fall over oh is that why he said i'll try not to fall over yeah that's, oh, I'll try that's to trip. cute yeah that's really cute i also really liked the character that helped him get there the the rabbi driving the ice cream truck oh yeah i didn't world. understand that i didn't either but i quite enjoyed that little thing but i think it was um i think the significance of it because i wrote this down was um elliot mentioned about how it's about the world ending and the driver says about how, no, it's not about the world ending. It's about humanity persevering, mm. which given like their situation in the world with, with the with five nine and everything, it's, it's humanity's persevering despite it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I quite enjoyed that little scene because it, it wasn't super significant, but it was a nice little kind of character moment. Yeah, it was nice. It was cute. Um. So yeah, so Sharma's brother wants to know why Elliot came to their house earlier and they get into a little bit of a spat and uh, he yells, I wish you were dead. And Elliot yells back, so do I. Which was fucking heartbreaking. Um, Sharma's brother says sometimes he thinks that he did something bad and then that's what made Sharma leave. Elliot says it wasn't his fault or hers. It was his own fault and that he should blame Elliot. Sharma's brother says Elliot talks about himself a lot, which honestly it broke the tension so perfectly because i thought i was about to cry i was just so in my feelings like oh my god this is this is horrible and then he said you talk about yourself a lot and i burst out laughing (laughs) 
So it was great comic relief there. Um, and then again, instantly I did shed a little bit of a tear because I'm a softie because we find out that Sharma's brother was born in Trenton. And obviously Sharma went by the name Trenton as a hacker. So uh, I got in my feels a little bit there. So later on that <laughs> evening, we see Sharma's brother had a key the whole time to his front door and he apologized to Elliot for making him late for his important thing. Uh, Elliot promises that he will take him to see the Martian at the movies before he and his family leaves. Um, so yeah, so Sharma's little brother definitely prevented Elliot from committing suicide that day. Mm. Um, Elliot goes back to see Mobley's brother and tells him that he's hacked him and threatened to send what he found to the IRS unless he gives Mobley a good funeral. You better give him a good eulogy, he'll be in the back watching. Which I loved. I love when I also, I found it quite interesting on that that he mentions that the pills that he, the dealer he went to for the pills, he got the info for him from one of Mobley's brother's clients that he hacked. Mm -hmm, so it's, mm -hmm. did he hack him before he went to see him the first time then? He hacks everyone, so that tracks, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so it's like he did that before he went to go and see him for the first time, or did he do, or did he do it because of what happened? But then he, he, he had the plan to go and see that guy anyway, so... Yeah, so he must have hacked him before before that then, yeah. Mm -hmm. But then that does make me wonder, why didn't you just threaten him with that the first time you went? But, you know, it is yeah. what it is. I think he was trying to, like, go out in a bit more peaceful way than than that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that that but if that was true, he wouldn't have hacked him in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um. So, final stop for Elliot, he goes to see Angela. Um, he tells her that he's worried about her and wishes that he could say something to snap her out of it but he's doing this through the door because she's not answering her door he goes to leave as obviously she's not answering but then he turns back and sits with his back against the door and talks about a wishing game that they used to play as kids uh, they used to tell each other that no matter what happened they would be okay and Angela finishes that bit of the sentence off as he's arriving home, someone pulls up in a van and drops off a bunch of black bags with some kind of hardware, computer hardware in them. Inside his apartment, Elliot tells us that nothing is ever truly deleted and gets the automated email from Trenton, a.k.a. Sharma. Um, Elliot says maybe there is something left for him to do after all, and that is how episode eight ends. Nathan, thoughts? Uh, it, it's it felt like a less heavily plot driven episode, but it was a nice kind of room to breathe. Mm -hmm. So very heavily character focused, and which was a kind of a, a step back. Maybe season two did where like it was more character than story but this it this was a good blend of it all kind of mixing together like it, it worked really well in this um i especially loved how they framed that conversation between elliot and uh angela yeah where you've got him in in all black in a red hallway and red she's hallway. in a, like a yeah. black room wearing all white because because she is literally like when you kind of look at her she is like visually almost as polar opposite you know like kind of bright color brightly colored like well brighter colored clothing that having the blonde hair whereas he's got dark hair and yeah. like, i've always found like i quite like how they framed all that it's quite it's quite interesting i thought like it was a great creative step to it 
Um, also as well, I literally was just quickly checking whilst whilst you were recapping. Mm -hmm. um, so we are on about, we weren't too sure when about Elliot's dad died. He died 18 days, presumably 18 days after he collapsed in that theatre. Because he mentioned seeing Shallow Grave and that released on the 2nd of, no, the 10th of February, 1995 in the US. And he died on the 28th of February. Wait, huh? It's great that there's bigger nerds than me to do all the research. So basically, Elliot, Elliot doesn't want to, didn't want to go to the cinema, did he, that flashback? No. Because he's, he's angry at Mr. Robot. Well, he's, he's angry at his dad. They are they are pretty much like just two different. It, it always feels weird, like thinking that Mr. Robot is Elliot's dad. Like, it's, it's yeah, hard. no, Mr. Robot is definitely not yeah. Elliot's dad. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, he mentions, oh, did you want to see Shallow Grave then? Because I've heard that's really good. And Charlotte, like, someone did the research on it. Like, luckily, there's like more nerdier people than me that do this. Um, that Shallow Grave released in the US on the 10th of February, 1995, and on Elliot's dad's gravestone. His date of death was February 28th, 1995. So he would have died shortly after that collapse. Right. So it tracks. Yeah. So it, 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 that could have been him actually dying. Mm -hmm. There's no way of fully knowing it, but it would have been around, around that time frame. Yeah. Whew. It was, this was an emotional episode. Mm. This was an emotional episode. I found myself emoting a lot. Um, I love that it ended with maybe there is something left for him to do after all. I feel mm. like it's very, um, damn, I should have done a trigger warning. Shit, we're talking about suicide and I totally didn't do a trigger warning. And it's very okay. late, but trigger warning, trigger warning. Um, obviously the main, uh, not tenant, the main the main not tenant what's the word i'm looking for the um the main feeling that is described the main outlook the main viewpoint of somebody who is at the brink of committing suicide is hopelessness mm. and for the episode to end with elliot saying maybe there is something left for him to do was so freaking powerful to see and watch and again an example of of yes there's a lot of clever writing yes there's a lot of hacking stuff yes there's a lot of stuff i don't understand yes there's a lot of intricate storyline that's beautifully written but i feel like this was more than that this was like a really like tugging at your emotions at least it did for me I, let me speak for myself it was very much like a oh i got to the end of it and i felt like i needed to do a great big sigh go do something else for a bit before i went to watch episode nine um i just found this episode to be the, the most emotional one out of the season for sure yeah it, it it hits all those emotional high notes like you said it, it gives a really kind of i don't want to say accurate look into someone in that mindset because obviously it, the experience is different for everyone but like it gives yeah. you kind of like a different look into that mindset like than the kind of the like the the hollywoodified version of depression is that fair to say or am i just mm -hmm. i feel like i'm talking out my ass when i say that no, um but you know the kind of thing i mean like yeah. the, it's like that picture from um queen's gambit when it's like this is what 
a man's idea of a woman on a break in a breakdown is. Was like her, like just surrounded by beer cans, sat on her sofa. Yeah. Um, like this gives like such a great kind of a different a different look at it, a di- like a more not a realistic look, but like a, a just a just a different kind of perspective of it. That's that's all you can say. Really. It's just a different perspective on how to look at it, but without without ever. Like obviously you know you know what's going on, you know what his plan is, but they never explicitly say it out loud. No. Like they the closest like, thing is, is Elliot saying, I, I when uh, Sharma's brother said I wish he was dead, he said me too. Mm. That's about as close as it got. Yeah, because because you they, they they layer enough in that you well, obviously the 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 dealer, but then they establish him as quite a abrasive person anyway that would say would say these things out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you don't need that kind of like there's no need for them to set up rec- or do like any exposition to say uh, this is how Elliot's feeling feeling because you can tell you can you can pick it out they put you in it yeah yeah like they establish really early on for you like there's no there's no rug pull there's no twist for it it's literally you'll kind of you'll realize it by the end of the episode you'll realize what's going on which is, I think, part of that whole um, I wish you were dead, so do I bit, mm. was that's kind of like the most significant reference because if, if you haven't picked it up at that point... They make it crystal clear. Yeah. 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 Whew. All right. Episode nine? Yes. Cool. So episode nine, we open with the day that Gideon was pitching all safe to E-Corp's Philip Price, Terry Colby and Tyrell Wellick. Angela walks in to drop something off to Gideon and Philip is, for lack of a better word, mesmerised by her. He cannot stop staring at her. It looks like she's the only reason that Allsafe actually got the contract because both Colby and Wellick are like, yeah, no, we're not going to go. This doesn't make sense to go with them. But Price has his mind made up. They are going with Allsafe. Back to present day, the FBI drive Tyrell home. He finds Joanne's purse on the couch and sees the baby crib and breaks down. Not going to lie, I had a tear in my eye because that's horrible. It was Um, heartbreaking. As soon as he walks into the empty house, you're like, oh, it's the first time in a year that he's been able to even get near to seeing his family. And then they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And that empty house thing, because obviously no one's going to have been to the house to tidy anything up. It's going to be exactly as it was when Joanna left yeah. to go where she's going. Worth saying as well, before we continue, the use of flashbacks to fill in kind of like story pieces is great in this show. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like, and I love how like a lot of shows will kind of have that struggle to get like a character back or an actor back. I like how there's never kind of like any doubt about it. If they need to bring a character back for a flashback, they're there. Like, yeah. like Terry Colby has me in the show. Well, this is this is the only appearance this season. Yeah, this was the only appearance in season three, and I think he only made a couple in season two. Yeah, I think he, um, one or two. I think mainly just like in chats with Angela, if, mm-hmm. even if briefly. I I quite like that. And I love I love Tyrell's kind of very a bit on the nose when he says like he hopes the decision doesn't come back to haunt them about choosing all safe that i didn't like that <laughs> yeah that that felt a little bit on the nose that was a bit much for me personally uh i was just like yeah let's not and then the very dramatic like you know when philip price walks away and it pans to his face i was just like mm, all right let's move on lads like, i'm good 
Yeah, I didn't like that. That's why I left it out of my notes. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't like that bit at all. I I had to write it down because I was like, I can't. I, like, there's some things I can let it get away with. I cannot let them get away with that one. Mm, it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. Um. So at Elliot, Mister Robot took over and left Elliot a note on the bathroom mirror that the Dark Army owns the FBI. Dun, dun, dun. Elliot wonders if Mr. Robot saw Trenton's email on his computer, which was the info that she found out that could undo 5-9. I think this is the first time we know that that's what that is. Either that or I just wasn't paying attention. It's um, very likely that. I know that Trenton mentioned that she sent the email to someone she trusts. Yeah, so then... she said it was set to automatically go to someone she trusts if she doesn't yeah. manually stop it. But I don't know if we ever knew that the contents of the email was something that could undo five nine. I don't know if that's I just me. I think so because I know they they have the recaps are normally what kind of fills that in for me because like I like I didn't realize until the recap from the previous episode that she'd even that she even had that info and had done the email until I saw the recap for the previous episode, which was the recap for the, the episode the recap they had at the start of episode eight. Because I even made a note about recap says about Trenton having an email ready to send in the event she dies for how to undo the hack. So she says it. She must say it then, in in episode seven at some point. Yeah, maybe I just left it out of my notes when I read. Yeah, it went it went over my head somehow as well. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, that's what she's got in this email, and. Um... Yeah, so Elliot's just wondering if Mr. Robot has seen all of this, whether he's seen the work that Elliot plans on completing. He kind of reprimands himself for leaving the computer unlocked. But how do you... <laughs> that doesn't make sense anyway, Elliot. I really want it to be like, Elliot, don't be silly. Because how we... <laughs> if you did lock it, that would assume that you know when Mr. Robot is coming. And two, if you know the combination, so does Mr. Robot. Yeah, like, that's the thing. That's like, like, surely... Fuck? That, that's something that got me was like surely unless you change in the past with like every day or like it's a specific key log or something like that i don't like they they i think it's because because they're not communicating at the moment i guess before obviously we'd see scenes where he sees mr robot they're communicating with each other they're doing a lot less than that so i think because they're so separated Maybe it's just he, all the random shit. Yeah, going his head, I think yeah. it goes in reverse with like you know how like elliot always forgets what mr robot's doing I think Mr. Robot forgets what Elliot's doing because Mr. Robot didn't know about, initially know about Elliot moving all those paper shipments. He oh, just yeah, discovered he it somewhere else. Yeah. So I, I think because they're not interacting and talking, because he mentions oh, a lot about how they want to. That explains his frustration for them not talking as well. Yeah. So, the, so they're not sharing any information between each other. Because mm. I, I did think that was weird as well, that like he mentioned about it being unlocked and it's like, but he's no. Yeah. Damn. Um, always something to think about with this show, isn't there? Um, so he um Elliot also sees that Mr. Robot had looked up information on Tyrell's release and wonders why. We then cut to the night before when Mr. Robot had that Tyrell information on the screen, then gets up and leaves the apartment. Framing of this is really weird as well. It was kind of weird and dark, but I liked it. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, it was just it was how this Mr. Robot and Tyrell thing is like spread out for all the, out the whole episode. So like it's just filling in small gaps in between things, and I kept yeah. forgetting that until they cut back to it. And that it's a different like, timeline. Yeah, yeah. It, threw, it does throw you yeah. off a little bit. You have to kind of keep reminding yourself. Okay, no, this was the night before, or this was this other time. Yeah, it's weird. Um, 
So Mr. Robot shows up at Tyrell's and asks if the 71 buildings were worth it. Tyrell says that he lost everything because of him. And Mr. Robot said there's no way the Dark Army have let him survive all of this if they weren't planning on collecting on that favour in the future. Mr. Robot says that these people treat the rest of us as puppets and screw us over for profits. Tyrell puts on gloves and starts punching Mr. Robot. Do you remember season one where he used to put yeah. the gloves on and punch and pay homeless people and then punch them? Um, he starts punching him because Mr. Robot said Joanna's name, which, I mean, you know what, at that point I was like, yeah, you know what, he deserves it. <laughs> like, stop talking about the man's dead wife. Like, get your, get your point across without bringing Joanna into it, yeah? Um... Anyway, so before we can get too many licks in, I think he only managed to get one clean hit, uh, the doorbell rings and it's Philip Price at the door who kind of just lets himself in when Tyrell opens the door. And Philip finds Mr. Robot on the floor and says, good evening, Mr. Alderson, please join us. After all, you were part of this too. I loved that little line because it goes to show you that the people at the, pow- uh, people at the top, people with the power, always know what's going like there's no way you can do anything without them allowing it or knowing about it or another person just as powerful as them allowing it if they didn't allow it themselves but they'll still know Does that make sense yeah, yeah like philip price talked to him like i know all of i know what you did here like i, I know it so it's not even a, it wasn't a surprise it wasn't a nothing he just knew and it's so yeah. indicative of what goes on in real life it's like he like i think he even I put, it's mentioned later on. I had I put a note about it. He even says like, "You only got away with this because powerful men like me, like me, let, let it happen." Yeah, that does come later. I did write a note about that. Um, so we cut to present day. So guys, keep up with me here because again, I had to do this scene by scene. I tried to do it the other way, and it just wasn't working for me. So I did it scene by scene this time. Um, we cut away to the present day, and Elliot and Darlene at the are at the F Society Arcade, the old place and they talk over this new hack it turns out that the romero had left a fail safe and they just need to find a key um, now this key will recover ecorp's lost data but it's in something called the sentinel which is a closed network that uh, belongs to the fbi it's on the fbi network so Darlene asks why Romero would even do that. Why would he have this set fail safe? And Elliot says it must have been in case the revolution didn't work. Darlene offers to use her relationship with the FBI to get access to the Sentinel. And Elliot says the Dark Army own the FBI. Darlene then says, you know what? I have an angle. Trust me, I can do this. Irving is on a test drive with a woman to try and make a sale. Some alarm in the car goes off and uh, they, they kind of stop and Elliot gets in the back. Irving tells the lady to leave as he puts tape on. I'm assuming these are speakers in the car. It looked like air vents to me. You know, the I, he was putting tape on. I don't know. I thought it was like some form of camera that he put tape over because it, it, it was because Elliot I think it was some like some form of smart car because Elliot managed to get it to pull over didn't he he did which was again yeah. kind of reminiscent of that VIN number stuff that he did earlier on in the season yeah um but it looked like vents to me but they could have also been speakers and that kind of makes me feel a bit paranoid that speakers can also be turned into microphones if need be and that's probably what he was covering them up for or that there's Possibly. some kind of dual thing. It's a it's a dual microphone speaker thing. Yeah. I guess if you've got like a a Tesla a Tesla like an Alexa for cars or something, you would need to have 
dual mics for it to pick up your voice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what he was covering up. Uh, but yeah, he was covering them up and Elliot tells him that he needs to set up a meet with White Rose to organise stage three. So uh, Darlene meets Dom at a bar and picks up her bag off the ground and brushes it against Dom's ID badge. Dom wants Darlene to testify about White Rose and Darlene says that she needs a bathroom. Um, she's She'll be back in a sec. When she goes there, uh, there was actually a card reader in her bag, but it didn't pick up the badge numbers to clone Dom's ID. So she's at a bit of a loss there. Angela is sitting on his steps when Elliot arrives home. She shows him a newspaper that has the headline that Tyrell has been named Ecorp CTO and says that that is proof that it's finally happening. They're going back to the way things should be. Elliot wants to know what she thinks is happening. And she says only White Rose can tell him. He says White Rose manipulated her and that's what she does. Um, he tells her that their parents are never coming back. Back at the bar, Darlene tells Dom that she's the only one that she trusts. Dom asks her to stay for another drink and Darlene asks if she's still single, wants to be her wing woman for her as well. Back to Angela and Elia and they go into his apartment to find Leon sitting on his couch. Angela is super paranoid, thinking that Leon has been listening to her or trying to trap her. And Elliot tries to get her to leave and, you know, is like, look, relax, relax. Nothing is happening. You just need to go. Uh, but she says, actually, it's you that's manipulating me and uh, realizes that he's the one planning to stop her, meaning White Rose. She ends up leaving anyway, and Leon says they've got business to discuss. So now we again we're going now back in time a little bit so we're going back to the night that um philip made tyrell cto in tyrell's home with mr robot um philip says that uh, he's cto by title only and he came to tell him out of respect that he won't need to do anything other than be obedient in the role which lol um tyrell then says philip is out of moves and is embarrassed for firing him and that ecorp actually needs his image Philip laughs it off and says he's not worth the move. And Mr. Robot brings up 5-9. Philip puts him in his place, like you mentioned earlier, Nathan, uh, saying that the attacks weren't a lone wolf's action, but that they happened because powerful people like him allowed them to. Back to present day, and Darlene is back at Dom's place for a nightcap. Darlene is kind of play drunk, uh, flirting very heavily with Dom, and Darlene kisses her. Dom says it's not professional, but of course she gives in. Before they have sex, Dom puts her gun and ID badge in her safe. At Angela's, she is clearly not all right. She's not been all right. I think this is the first time we really see the inside of her apartment. Yeah, we just uh, saw the the first hint was like how many locks she had now. Mm-hmm. So you see those in the previous episode, but... Um, like we didn't see we only saw her hallway we haven't seen what she's done in there yeah and yeah and then there was like pictures everywhere and dishes everywhere and just stuff everywhere like it's bad like really really bad um she's talking to her fish as well saying that they have to go and she'll i'm guessing white rose she'll know how to find them and will keep them safe it's kind of sad seeing her like this, to be mm. honest. Uh, when was, when she starts but... talking, did you think she'd like kind of start developing her own kind of Mr. Robot persona? That was the first thing I second? thought. Yes. 
And then thought, it's just that cut to the fish in the little box. It's like, ah, and okay. Like, just, yeah. Okay, yeah. I really thought she'd uh, developed her own little Mr. Robot situation. Um, okay, so Leon. Leon takes Elliot to some random but very beautiful location before leaving. Uh, I made a note to write, but very beautiful because it was stunning. Uh, Elliot is met with Jung's right-hand man. And uh, he asks Elliot to put his password into his laptop and that his men will pull everything that they need from it. <sighs> Knowing what I know now, this bit is very silly, but okay. He wants to know what Elliot wants and will relay any messages on his behalf to White Rose. Elliot says eCoin is about to become the world's standard and the only thing keeping eCorp alive. Taking it down is the only way to take down eCorp and that is stage three. Uh, Jane's right, Jane, Jung's right hand man ends the meeting. Basically fobs him off. Um, Angela, so this is a, a massive callback to season one. Angela sees a guy selling CDs, uh, where if you remember in season one, Cisco was pretending to sell CDs and actually gave Oliver the thing that fucked his computer up and spitting images cisco as well this guy looked a lot like cisco yeah. i don't actually blame her for kind of freaking out in that moment because he really looked like cisco um yeah so angela sees this guy selling cds and she tells the guy she won't take his cd this time as a van pulls up behind her two people come out and ask her to go with them and then she goes we're ready in a very weird way guessing she means her and the fish because she's saying we it's bad man it's bad guys um back at dom's dom catches darlene sneaking into a safe in the middle of the night um we'll get back to that in a second because we go back in the past and we're at tyrell's again tyrell is miserable and mr robot says that he just needs to go to work until they find the vulnerability to take down philip price white rose and all of their rich friends Tyrell mentions the inside man at the FBI, hence the note that ended up appearing on Elliot's bathroom mirror. So back to Dom and Darlene. Dom is actually taking Darlene in to the FBI for questioning and fucking Santiago's there. Darlene says the FBI is obviously in bed with the Dark Army and she doesn't trust them with her intel. Dom reveals that they had sex and that Darlene was trying to get into the Sentinel. Darlene admits that... Um, Everything that's needed to undo 5-9 is on the Sentinel. She says she can walk their engineers through it or do it herself while they watch over her shoulder. She doesn't care. She just wants to get it done. In Santiago's office, he's running out of excuses as to why they shouldn't do this with Dom. He tells her, look, he's assigning someone else to Darlene. She's too close to this. Um, she actually, he actually gives the name of the agent. I didn't write it down because I didn't think it was necessary. Found out later it was important. Um, but he basically says, I'm assigning her to, we'll call him Fred. Um, good name, good name. Thanks. And uh, yeah, so when Dom storms out, he calls Irving and tells him what's going on and that he might be burned. So we cut to White Rose, who is very frustrated. She is smashing the fuck out of everything out of frustration. And um, she's pissed at the relocation, uh, the relocation, <laughs> relocation of her plant to the Congo has still not been completed after a month. Um, now in the background, there is a woman playing the glasses. I I'm made a note it, as well. I'm calling it playing the glasses, but is there, a, there's a proper name for that, isn't there? Is there, do you know? I think it's just the glasses. I, hang on. 
I'm going to type plain wine glass and see what happens. And it was rather soothing, to be fair. Yeah, I, but... I, I, I thought it was a nice kind of detail that that was... That's the music going on in the background. You could have a harp or something, but no, wine glasses. A glass harp, apparently, it's called. A what? Glass... Glass, glass harp. Or... Glass harp. Yeah, glass harp. Uh, brackets also called musical glasses, singing glasses, angelic organ, oh, verimen, singing glasses, or actually. ghost fiddle. Ghost fiddle? Jeez, I'm not calling it that. That sounds no, horrible. No, no, no. I'm going to go with singing glasses. I think I've actually heard that before. So there is a woman um, playing the singing glasses. And so I'm not going to call him Jung's right-hand man anymore because in this scene, he's with White Rose. So I'm going to call him White Rose's right hand. Well, I'm actually not. <laughs> um, because of the scene after this. But he says that this is all her fault, which I thought was very fucking bold of him. Um, it's all her fault for indulging Elliot's every whim instead of just trusting him. One box even packed? I suppose there's some banal excuse why a month isn't enough time for those lazy mules to get my project shipped to the Congo. Border security. No! Border security across the eastern seaboard is restricted to levels we've never seen before. Hence our extensive payroll. We own mayors, district attorneys, governors, fucking presidents! The country is operating under martial law. Our contacts are afraid. You've always asked that I be honest with you. Speak. This is your fault. You blindly indulge all of Elliot Alderson's whims, and it has landed us here. If you listen to me, if you believed in my strategy as much as you did his, we could have avoided this. We had the UN vote. These attacks weren't necessary. People like Philip Price do not respect mercy. You only get their attention with force, and a lot of it. That is the only currency with these men. Now, I got a bit confused with the timeline here, because then we see that Darling is being held at the FBI as Elliot sees the note on the mirror from Mr. Robot. But I think that that's just when he goes to wipe it. So it's not that that's yeah. when he was seeing it. It just confused me for a second. That's just when he got round to wiping it off the wind, uh, the mirror for some reason. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, he wipes that note off the mirror and he's getting on with the hack. I didn't make a note of exactly what he was doing because I don't understand this speak. So I trust there's nothing I've missed there, Nathan, from that scene. I don't think so, no. I've not really made very many details on this. Okay, cool. No, I've not, I've not really, other than the fact that like he's he's now hacking, basically targeting the Dark Army, isn't he? Yeah, that's all, I mean, yes. that's literally all yeah. I got. Because I don't, I don't understand it until next episode, so I didn't write anything here. Um, so anyway, back to the juicy scene. Uh, White Rose, White Rose is with, I'm going to call him at this moment, Jung's right-hand man still. 
because he says uh, he thinks there is no stage three and that Elliot is about to try and hack them or attack them in some way. Uh, it cuts back to Elliot and he has he has hacked the Dark Army. Uh, whatever he was doing was successful. Then back to White Rose. She greenlights uh, Jung's right-hand man's wish to have Elliot killed. And then they kiss. And that was the end of episode nine. Nathan, thoughts? So obviously, like it's we're we're setting up for like the finale really, really well. Like it's the time frame thing was confusing, but it was used really effectively. Like it, it only got confusing in the context of writing the notes. Watching it, I don't think it ever really confused me too much. Um, and I, I kind of like. No, I think the only one Price's that power me. moments. Oh, yeah, the end bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, God, what you No, no, that's what I was going to say. That, that yeah. bit where he was wiping it off, that's the only bit that got slightly confused for a second. But other than yeah. that, you're right. It was more the note-taking that was difficult rather than watching it. Yeah, I'm heartbroken for Dom as well. To just kind of be, be used the way she was in that as well. Like, she's getting an emotional kicking in this one. Yeah, I didn't feel that sorry for her in this one. Obviously, the finale I did, but this one, yeah. I wasn't... Mm, I think they didn't play up the emotional aspect of it too much in, in this one. It's the next one where it gets a bit more significant in that regard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's just it's all gearing up, all all set up really. Um, like the stage three thing, obviously Elliot thinks he's well, I don't think he thinks he's gotten away with the stage three thing. I think he knows it's obviously bullshit. Like he he knows they know it's bullshit, but he's he's kind of hoping that they'll they'll go along with it to entertain him so that he can actually bring the full plan into action. Yeah, and it seemed like he got what he needed anyway, which we don't find out yeah. until next episode. Yeah. Which in context, once you have that bit of info, mm -hmm. does make those dark, that dark army guys seem a bit stupid. That's why I said, mm. just that, oh, you know what, but let me move on because it's not going to make sense until we talk about episode 10. <laughs> no. But like reading that back now to recap it, I was like, oh, you fucking idiots. Like, this is a hacker. This is a hacker who brought you a laptop mm. and you used your tech on a hacker's laptop. Yeah. Mate, it's, behave. I think it just shows the naivety of this guy. Like, he's trying so hard to impress White Rose mm -hmm. that he's overlooking these obvious things. And he, like she says, next episode is so wrapped up in his jealousy. Yeah. He's making massive mistakes. <sighs> so are you ready to talk about the finale? Should we get into yes. it? All right. Well, this was, the, these, this was the episode with the second most notes. So episode six had the most notes. Um, this isn't that far behind. So we'll see if I can actually read through all of this and um, not fuck up words the entire time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So, Dark Army guys break down Elliot's door and find that he's not there. White Rose's partner, which is what I'm now calling him, <laughs> um, picks up his uh, Mr. Robot's jacket, Mr. Robot jacket, and asks his men to keep looking through his stuff and try and find out where he went. Turns out Elliot was in Shayla's apartment next door with Flipper. In the FBI interview room, Santiago grabs Darlene and puts zip ties on her. Dom goes to the agent that Santiago had said he would assign Darlene to, which we have now called 
Fred, um, to give him some paperwork to do with the case and finds out that Fred doesn't know anything about it. Dom goes to the interview room, finds that it's empty and that the camera has been tampered with in some way. I didn't really understand how it's been tampered yeah, with. Yeah, I did see Santiago do something to it. Because he put, like, Santiago brought the camera into the room, didn't he, with it? Like, from what well, I, I could he tell, was he just put... doing something to it. I wasn't too sure. All I remember is that, well, from what I could see on there, he, he set the camera up and then he took Darlene out, out of the room. I wasn't too sure exactly what was going on. I thought the camera was always... The camera's always up in an interview room because when he went in, when Tyrell was in there, he just turned the camera off. Whereas mm. this time, it looked like he was tampering with it, but I couldn't tell what he was actually doing. I had no idea. But it was enough that Dom saw it. Yeah. He looked down yeah. at it and the camera made a point of picking it up. So I don't know. I have, I have no idea. He did something. Let's go with he did something and she knows yes. he's done something. <laughs> so... She catches up to him when he's about to leave in the parking garage um, with Darlene uh, in the back of his car. And he says that uh, he's taking her to holding. Don wants to know what's going on. He says that she's not authorised to know. She gets her phone out to report it and he gets closer, says, look, you going to want to do something. There's cameras all over the place. And before he even finishes the sentence, he knocks her out with a punch. Now, obviously, bad guy. Didn't want that to happen to Dom. Very impressive that he knocked her out with one punch, though. Oh, yeah, like, they, I wasn't expecting at all. Like, it, it was just gone. Just just down. Like, she was just yeah. down. That, that, was, that was a Mike Tyson haymaker. Mate, did not see that coming from him at all. But also, I think it shows part of him starting to panic because he, he, he even says, oh, there's cameras everywhere. And, like, at this point, he's, he, he's very much thinking more about his cut, like, himself. Not He's just his cover being blown, but about himself. He's like, I, I, I need to sort the situation out now. So he's just bolted for it, basically. He's, He's just in what they call mode. Yeah. Um, people that watch a lot of things like I do about serials, like about serial killers, serial many things, um, they have an endgame mode where they, where everything is unraveling because they get more and more desperate because they're getting closer and closer to being caught. Mm. And that's when they get reckless, and that's usually how they get caught. So this is a fine example of somebody in their end game, knocking out, zip tying, and kidnapping, which we find out later, obviously, uh, an FBI agent in a parking garage with cameras all over the place, reckless as fuck. <laughs> like you're not even, you're so desperate, you're not even thinking about how you can get away with it at this point. You're just desperate to get it done. So Elliot rushes to the arcade to check on Darlene, but you know, obviously she's not there. He um he can't get through all of the six did he say six thousand or six hundred? It was a lot. Compromised Dark Army servers and starts panicking that uh, Darlene is gonna die. He just knows that they've got Darlene because obviously they went looking for him. Uh he punches the popcorn maker, messes up his hand, and uh, he pushes over a machine and says he never should have done this. This is on him. He gets on a ride and summons Mr. Robot to get information. And for the first time in season three, we have a scene with both Mr. Robot and Elliot interacting with each other. Is this the first time in the season? Pretty sure. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, seeing them yeah. two together and uh, since when they were with um, Joanna, Joanna Wellick. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, they're not properly... Because I remember us saying how we quite enjoy those little transitions between when they've been switching mm -hmm. in the early seasons. So yeah, that that kind of 
I didn't even realise they hadn't... Well, it makes sense now, the whole of them not talking, complaining about not talking to each other. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. I genuinely believe, I could be wrong here, but I genuinely believe we haven't seen the two of them together since they were in um, Joanna Wellick's apartment with her and the driver in season two. Um, so they are now on this, uh, on this ride together. And Elliot says the only reason they haven't been talking is that he hasn't let himself because he's scared of the part of him that's Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot asks why they're talking now. And Elliot asks whether he would have done it if he knew about the 71 buildings. Mr. Robot says he would have found another way. And Elliot says a part of him is in Mr. Robot, just like a part of Mr. Robot is in him. Dom comes too and finds herself zip tied in the back of Santiago's car right next to Darlene. She calls Santiago a piece of shit and starts putting everything together about the attack in China, Cisco's death and framing Trenton and Mobley. Santiago says the only reason Darlene is alive is because he never told the Dark Army that she was a CHS, a source, and uh, says that she has no idea the hold that they have on him, but she soon will. Mr. Robot and Elliot break into Santiago's place and Irving walks in. Elliot realises they have Darlene for sure. Um, we cut to Angela, who's in some random house. Remember she was picked up in that van? Mm. Um, a creepily happy man walks in claiming to be the house manager. It turns out that she's at Philip Price's home. When that scene first opened up, I really thought she was in some kind of mental home, like like mental health yeah or it, like that. it had like a cult vibe to me it did I, it was the That's jolliness true. of the guy yeah he was so happy it was weird mm. oh my god and those fucking he probably wasn't wearing shorts he was probably wearing trousers but it just in my head he had long shorts on and he was weird <laughs> I, don't know that, I don't know why that's important <laughs> but it's important um Back to Elliot, who arrives at a barn with Santiago, Dom, Darlene and Leon inside. Uh, Santiago tells Irving that there's a mess at the FBI now and that they need to clean up his mess for once. Irving tells Dom to get up and go with him and Santiago. Now, just to be clear, they're at the place where Tyrell was for months. Yes. Um, I didn't realise that until they went to where the wood chopping happened. And then I was like, oh, that's where he was chopping wood for ages. And I... I saw the barn and kind of figured that. Like, I, I figured it from the barn because they don't show you a room, the room that he was originally in. No. But I just remember the barn. Like, I remember it being a farmhouse. Ah, okay. So, um, as they leave, Elliot and Darlene are left with Leon and two Dark Army operatives. Mr. Robot is trying to get Elliot to think about ways of escaping, and Elliot tells him that. Um... What? No, Elliot, sorry, I wrote this weird. Elliot told Mr. Robot that White Rose can see them and looks up at a CCTV camera in the barn. Outside, Santiago is trying to save her life by saying that Dom can be flipped. She's like, no way is she flipping. Irving picks up an axe. Dom prepares herself to die. Irving axes Santiago instead in the chest. Now, this was very predictable, but still very gruesome as hell. Um, Irving says that Dom now works for the Dark Army and she says the first thing she'll do when they let her go is arrest him. 
Uh, he then threatens her four-year-old nephews, her mom, her uncle and older brother's lives as he axes the absolute fuck out of Santiago's body. Yeah, I made a note about how he turns Santiago into the lid of a ready meal. That was like just, just, it was just ridiculous, wasn't it? It was, I mean, overkill doesn't even feel like the right word. <laughs> like it was, so, he just didn't stop. Even after he finished his whole little speech and, you know, Dom agreeing to be their new plan and, you know, Irving being like, oh, I promise in time this will be easier to live with and basically kind of sends her back to the barn. He's still going. Mm, he's like, oh, these next few are for me. Just still going at it. It's, it's the punctuation of it every single when he's threatening her um, family how it's like in between each strike yeah. he's like mentioning another family member and just and then i loved the line at the very end where she hasn't like she's refused and he's like he just screams like dom i'm going to need verbal com like verbal confirmation that you're grasping the details of this agreement i i love that line man it's, is something else. Uh, it's He's been such a great character this whole season. I, I, I've Fantastic loved every single scene with Irvin. Yeah, really. And I could, there was no way of knowing at the start that he was going to be as good as he was. Like, I knew he was some kind of fixer, but I had no idea where this was going. Like, with him, I mean, as a character. He was, he's been great. He's been amazing. Um, Dom walks back into the barn, obviously covered in blood, and Darlene asks what happened. Uh, and Leon says it looks like she just got her initiation. Elliot tells Mr. Robot to look around. They've been instructed to wait, not act. Someone important is coming. Just in that moment, White Rose's partner pulls up. Irving fills him in on what's going on and goes to leave. Irving says that he's about to go on a sabbatical when White Rose's partner says he's not going anywhere. Irving, so it the, this whole time, it's made it seem as if White Rose is at the top slash Jung and then White Rose's partner is directly below White Rose. Mm. But that's not the case at all because Irving walks right up to him and tells him that he's already done his time and that he was him years ago. Irving has um, a much higher standing with White Rose, clearly, than anyone could have thought, than I thought. I thought he was just a fixer. But clearly, he's talking about putting in his time. He was him before. Was he White Rose's partner before? I think that's the implication because he mentions like, has she had, I feel weird saying the sentence out loud, it's like, have you, has she got you to taste her yet? Did he say that? Yeah, yeah, I think the, the implication fully is that he used to be banging White Rose. Damn, oh, I missed that. There was a lot going on, but I missed that. Okay. All right, these next two scenes ran concurrently and I, I wasn't about to do the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth because it was so intense and mm. very, very tense because there were massive revelations. My, my notes for this are a mess. So I in, to avoid that, I've split them into two and I've seen them through to their completion. So there are two scenes, um, one scene with Philip Price and Angela, the other scene with everything that's going on um, at the barn. Okay, so we're going to start with Philip Price and Angela. So at Philip Price's home, Angela says that uh, she wouldn't have come if she knew that they were going to his home. She wants to go in to see White Rose. Philip Price admits that he only hired Allsafe because of her and that White Rose would have killed her to stop the lawsuit. Angela asks why he cared if she killed her. And Philip says that he actually met Angela's mother 32 years ago. 
They dated for a while when he worked at E Corp together and that Philip loved her, but never told her. The closer they became, the more he held back from her and that being cruel like that made him feel strong. Philip reveals that Angela is actually his biological daughter. He never planned on telling her until he realized that White, what White Rose had done to her and that White Rose's project is nothing but her psychotic reality. It's not possible. He says that White Rose has killed countless people to fulfill this fantasy. And Angela breaks down and says the cyber bombings were her fault. She had to believe in something. Philip says that it's all pettiness to get back at him. That's all. Angela says White Rose was supposed to reunite her with her mum and tells him that she wants retribution. Philip tells her the only move now is to accept that she was conned and to find a way to live with what she did. Shall we unpack that first before we go to the barn? Yes. Because there's a lot of fucking a lot happened here. So, um, first things first, when you watch this the first time around, Nathan, did you know or did you have a feeling or did you suspect that Philip may be Angela's dad? I didn't at all. So when I watched it first, yeah, it kind of, it's one of those things, like obviously it's a show that benefits a lot from rewatching it. Um, like, but I, I've now kind of recently discovered it's like you benefit a lot more if you rewatch the, like a lot of the show, knowing some things, because you pick up hints for a lot more things. Because when this happened, I thought, oh, that doesn't make sense. In my head, I was like, that, that doesn't make sense to me. But picking up on things like just how he's treated her throughout the series, where it's been like that kind of, he's, he's looked out for her from mm-hmm. a distance. But obviously, because he's because of power dynamics, it's looked like a creepy thing. It's looked yeah. like there's kind of like a maliciousness to it, but there's not. He's just looking out for his daughter, but from a distance. And then the thing I brought up on episode six with the uh, anonymous benefactor, mm-hmm. it doesn't get mentioned here, but I'm almost certain that was Price, which is why her dad walks out. Yeah, it has to be. When you said that, Obviously, in this episode, that because I didn't, I didn't even notice that. When you said that, that's why I was like, "Oh my god," because hmm. obviously it has to be Philip Price. Because no. I and I had to, I had to watch that bit because obviously I watched episode six twice mm-hmm. uh, for this, and the first time round watching it, which was technically my second time ever watching it, I didn't pick up on that until I watched it again whilst watching it for this half of everything. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of stuck a bit more in my mind because obviously you can't like it kind of made a bit more sense of why else would he walk out? Why else would he be like, I, I don't need to hear this, I'm going to go. You know, like it, it's it's in context and looking back at things, you realize, oh, that that's okay, right? So this is why this the, these things make more sense. Like if you watch season one from this perspective now, obviously. Some parts of their relationship look a little bit weird, but at the same time, you're like, oh, this is a very offhand. Well, it'll be season two, wouldn't it? A bit more, yeah. Well, they have a few se- scenes together in season one because she starts working for E-Corp in season one, Angela does. I thought that was two. No, she starts work. I think it's about halfway through. She, she starts gets working her... for them after the hack. Because she, no, she's starting doing the, um, the prep work for the lawsuit. Because obviously she's, she's like staying with her dad in season one as well, isn't she? She's like traveling back oh, and forth. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. Because all that stuff with Terry Colby happened way before the hack. No, yeah, you're right. Damn. Yeah. 
so that's like why he got why that's why they chose to go to all all safe and everything. It's why yeah. he even bothered hiring her. Like he's kind of it's it's like a, a from a distance kind of thing, isn't it? Like he's all of that didn't pop in, but what did like for me watching this, it made absolute sense as he said it. Like I I guessed it, but only seconds before he said it. like yeah, it's not like I guessed yeah. it beforehand. It's like seconds before he said it. When he started talking about how he loved her mother, I was like, oh shit, that's when I got it right. But yeah. it was still a surprise. And one kudos because I'm very very rarely surprised by a plotline on a TV show. I've watched too much TV to really be surprised <laughs> like that, and I was shocked. Right. Mm. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing was that. Um, all of the scenes that I remembered from mainly season two and their interactions together when the guy shot himself, particularly when a guy shot himself live on the news and she had blood on his shoes. Do you remember? And yeah. he was talking to her about like the conversation that he had with her there was really cold, but also like, go get yourself some new shoes. Um, afterwards when he was about to give a speech uh, you know talking about his life or whatever all of the horrible things he said about him and how he was a waste of space and then going up and um saying all these nice words but showing that side of himself to this mm. effectively an intern right that type of level right and that interest never felt sexual it was weird but it never felt sexual to me like yeah you know do you know what i mean and so it was almost like I had a flash of all of those scenes, the him trying to get the two, the, you know, him getting the two guys to come to the dinner who were part of the Washington Township decision. Like all of this stuff that he did for her, which at the time was still very much like, why would he do any of this? But as soon as, you know, it was confirmed that, that, that he was a biological dad, it was like all those scenes just flooded into my head at once. And I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. It's insane. But there's, I still, there was still no way I would have guessed this ahead of time. Yeah, it, it's it's very much just, uh, you think their relationship is a bit odd. You think he's just... You don't like understand he, it. it. You, yeah. you understand it's that there's an interest there, but you don't understand the cause behind it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, it, it's such a well kind of placed plot twist because it's hiding yeah. in amongst everything else. So it's not a significant thing you'd even think about. No. And very much hiding in plain sight too, because it was yeah. it was weird, this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, Which I think is a testament to their writing because hmm. they made you see something weird that would cause you to have questions and yet you still didn't figure it out. How mad is that? It's one of those things where it's like, in, in the long run of things, how important is it to what we've seen so far? Like, what um who edit who her angela's dad is well i mean we've, we've we had, under, in yeah. terms of power play it's spectacularly yeah. important yeah in terms of everything else it's just a side thing but in terms of his relationship with jung because now i'm 100 percent convinced that jung knows that yeah i'm a million percent convinced that jung knows that he's well, there's that, that conversation from earlier where, he, where they talk about him and Angela. Yeah, because he says all you had to do was manipulate her mm. to stop her from carrying on with this lawsuit, and you didn't, so I had to go and manipulate her. Yeah, 
Well, in but fact, even before that, he said she's special to you, or I can see what you see in her. All this kind of stuff. I feel like he knows. Hmm. Well, actually, that's that's part of what um, Price admits, doesn't he? That the reason they used Angela was literally just to be petty. Yeah, he says it's the pettiness. So I, I like White Rose was like bang to have known. I think White I'm, Rose definitely knew. I'm convinced. I am convinced because all White Rose had to do was get was manipulate her enough to stop the lawsuit. Mm. But White Rose, aka Jung, took it further because of the pettiness, because of mm. that rivalry. And also, like it's the significance as well of that is like essentially White Rose has managed to convince to some degree Angela that she can bring back her her deceased loved ones yes and all like all of that that like mindset she's put her in is just for petty revenge like it, it's just so it's it's cold it's like it's literally oh yeah no it had to be her but, just to get a digger um, price it's like what i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know if i'd go that far yeah. So you reckon? Do you reckon Price might be wrong about it being petty? He might just be thinking no. it is. No, no, no. I, I think Price is right about that. I'm talking about yeah. the uh, the project. Okay, okay. But we'll talk about that in a sec because that's the more details are coming out, and I don't want to. I don't want to run before we walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, as in, I don't think it's all for play with what she what she told. Yeah. What, what she told Angela. I, I believe White Rose believes too. Yeah. So I don't think that part was the manipulation. It was everything around that. But we'll, we'll come back. <laughs> we'll come back to that. So the other scene uh, was uh, obviously in the barn with everybody. So in the barn, Elliot admits that stage three was bullshit. And White Rose's partner is glad that he's being honest. The Dark Army men grab Darlene and Elliot reveals that he owns every system the Dark Army has compromised. If they hurt Darlene, everything will go public, the entire Dark Army history. Elliot proves this by revealing that seven days ago, the Dark Army was hired by the Russian government to hack the DNC. Holy shit, current affairs. I made a note of that one as well. Holy shit, current yeah. affairs. When I tell you this was my favourite scene, of the season i am not kidding okay i love a good i love the way this does current affairs but mate that we'll talk about it let me just get through this we'll talk about this so um yeah so elliot proves this by revealing that seven days ago the dark army uh, was hired by the russian government to hack the dnc two days before that the dark army bribed the president of south korea to allow a backdoor in all of their military networks and three weeks before that the dark army used philip price to annex the congo for china white rose's partner says that they can survive a leak but elliot can't survive a bullet through his throat i beg to differ but whatever um white rose's partner says uh, they know Elliot wants to reverse 5-9 and it really doesn't matter to them as it's already served its purpose. As they're about to kill Darlene, Elliot says that he can move the project to the Congo bypassing all of these delays that they've been having. White Rose's partner says he's just one hacker. What makes him think that he's better than an army of people just like him? Elliot says because he is better. He did in one day what they couldn't do in months. As he's about to kill Elliot, Leon, who had a gun pointed at Darlene's temple, shoots the Dark Army 
operatives and points his gun at White Rose's partner. White Rose's partner's phones rings, phone rings, there's too many S's in there, sorry. White Rose's partner's phone rings and White Rose tells him that his jealousy has always blinded him and that's why he can never see her plan through. White Rose said she'll find him when the project is complete, but for the here and now, their time has come to an end and that she loves him. White Rose's partner puts his phone down, says something in um, Chinese, um, I guess in Mandarin, says something in Mandarin and shoots himself in the head. Leon pulls a laptop out of a bag and tells Elliot to get to work. Elliot downloads something and says, it's done. Mr. Robot asks what they do now and Elliot says, undo the hack. So before I move on, let's break this down, shall we? Oh my God. Oh my God. What a scene. Oh my God. Right. Let's start with you. Let's start with your notes. Go for it. Um, right. I'm trying to start. I, I basically just did like a run by run, but yeah, I, the same thing you said about the, um, getting the right, like hacking the DNC. Uh, cause obviously this is set around about 2016 before mm -hmm. Trump has been hacked. Like I, I love that kind of little reference to what was happening in the background of that thing and kind of how embedded the dark army are in, into things. They've been setting that narrative, haven't they? They're setting the yeah. narrative that the dark army is responsible for Trump. They're setting the narrative that the dark army has this kind of infinite political power and for them to keep tying real, real news, real, political news to what's happening on the show oh it's so masterful because the dnc was hacked and there was mounting mm. evidence that it was russia behind it and then as and well it was they basically tried to make the dark army yeah cambridge analytica yes the facebook thing was it like? yeah it's like yes. they, they basically tried to say that the dark army was cambridge analytica but I guess more violent and more fictional or whatever, but Cambridge Analytica was has too many ties to what happened at the DNC, what happened, uh, what, uh, and Russia and the Russian government, and what happened with the votes. What just there's too many confusing situations here, but it's clear from a lot of the testimonies that were given in real life that Cambridge Analytica had a massive part to play and that they were somehow commissioned by the Russian government to do some of the things they did, including allegedly, allegedly, can I just say, allegedly, 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 um, including hacking the DNC, hacking emails and all sorts of stuff. So it's amazing that they've tied that in and they've centered the dark army in that in such yeah. a beautiful way. Sorry, continue, continue. So, so and then obviously the next kind of, um one is what you were saying about you think to a degree white rose believes this yes plan of hers i'd forgotten about exactly what she said mm -hmm. to um her partner yeah um also a brutal way of breaking up someone mate very brutal i'm um, saying about like they'll they'll meet again like she like white rose is definitely invested in this plan like 100 percent invested in this plan and like I think she 100% believes that her project, we don't know the details of the project other than what's been revealed here, but that when it's succeeded, she will be able to be reunited with people that have passed. Mm. That's the that's kind of the the way that it's leaning. That's the assumption I'm making based on the evidence that we have so far. And 
I believe that she 100 believes 100% believes that that's what will happen, which is why going back to the thing with Angela, I don't think she told Angela that she could be reunited with her mum just to manipulate her. I think she does actually believe that. Yes. But she manipulate where she manipulated Angela in terms of as a side of going one step further to make it petty wasn't just to stop her with a lawsuit, but to actually rope her in to be responsible for the 71 bombings that all are e-court buildings. That was yeah. the petty. She didn't have to go that far, but she did to be extra petty to because like she said before, powerful people like Philip Price only understand destruction. Yeah. And that was part of the destruction. That was part of the horror was getting your daughter to be part of it, which is fucking psycho. It's, it, it's, a, it's it, it kind of goes along with um, Dark Army's like blind belief. Yeah. Like they, they're willing to die for the, these causes. Like it, it goes hand in hand with, with that. Like that is when you see the when you kind of put it in context like that that is so pertinent so true mm. like like even white rose is kind of at that level of of fully believing in the cause 100 percent. um is that all the notes that you had because i just want to touch on the south korea thing um yeah i didn't put anything about the south korea thing but yeah go ahead Okay, so in addition to, so Elliot, just to remind you, Elliot says, um, I can prove this, um, you know, seven days ago, the Dark Army was hired by the Russian government to hack the DNC. We know that the hack of the DNC happened, right? And we, evidence points to, but I will still say allegedly, that the Russian government had involvement in that, right? The next bit of evidence he gives is that two days before that, the Dark Army bribed the president of South Korea to allow a backdoor in all of their military networks. Now, um, I don't know if you'd heard about this, but um, there was massive hacking in 2016 in South Korea's military um, was this like, network. The, um, the Seth Rogen thing as well, the Sony hacks, or was that a different thing? Oh, I don't know what that is. If I know, I've forgotten, but I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but... Sure. That was 2014, never mind. Okay. Well, there was there was stuff that happened in 2016 that wasn't massive news, but um it it kind of culminated into being, I think, early 2017. Let me let me Google it just so I can give you the right dates because I'm going off of memory here. Um, but basically North Korea were able to steal secret US war plans because they had some kind of antivirus software thingy that they used to hack the South Korea US military network. Yeah. So that happened, I think in 2017. Hang on, I'm just pulling up an article from the Wall Street Journal. A ridiculous mistake, let North Korea steal secret US war plans. Hackers allegedly used antivirus software, oh God, uh, to access South Korea US military plans from network mistakenly connected to the internet for more than a year. So this article came out in October 2017. So yeah, oh my God, as if I got the timeline right, 2016 to 2017, fucking hell, I was proper paying attention to the news back then. Um, 
So uh, the story is, in Seoul, a breach of South Korea's military database by suspected North Korean hackers originated in compromised third-party cybersecurity software that was made possible by an unintended connection to the internet, according to people familiar with the attack. The cyber assault in September last year, which was 2016, in which South Korean and US military secrets were stolen, caught South Korean off officials off guard, the people said, because it occurred within a military intranet believed to have been cut off from the internet and therefore protected from outside hacks. The stolen classified military documents included a joint US-South Korean plan detailing how to eliminate the Pyongyang leadership in the event of war, according to US defense officials and a South Korean lawmaker. US defense officials said they didn't see any impact on potential future military operations, blah, 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 blah. To gain entry, North Korean hackers first attacked a Seoul-based firm, Howry Inc., which makes the antivirus software installed on computers used by South Korea's military. The hackers then in embedded the malware into the antivirus software, allowing North Korean operatives to infiltrate military servers. The hack was possible because of a failure to remove a connector jack linking the military internet to the internet after maintenance work at the South Korean military's newly built database center. So apparently the internet had been mistakenly connected to the internet for more than a year until Seoul found it uh, found a possible breach in September 2016. Okay. So Elliot said that two days before the um, the Russian government, you know, uh, hired the Dark Army to hack the DNC. Two days before that, the Dark Army bribed the president of South Korea to allow a backdoor in all of their military networks. So that's oh, a massive yeah. allegation. That yeah, uh, the I, president was... of South Korea. Yeah, like this is it's one of those things like I must not have been paying much attention to the news back then. I don't remember any of that at all. I remember hearing about it, but I, I was really into the news back then. I was certain yeah. that the world was ending. <laughs> I kind of got into a bit of a panic, I'm not going to lie. Um, around the time Brexit was picking up, Trump was gaining traction. I was hyper focused on the news. Yeah. I was pretty much aware of everything, though. Any report that was coming out about anything. I was sure that that was going to set off the events that were going to end in a third world war slash nuclear war that's going to end everything. I really thought that's what was going to happen. I was like, guys, are we really going to give Trump the, the nuclear codes? Oh, is that what we're going to do? Like, I was so, I was in a state of panic for a strong two years. So I remember hearing about this. I didn't go into this much detail. I didn't like purposely read about every single bit. And if I did, I don't remember, but I, that was in the back of my mind. So, but I hadn't thought, haven't thought about it in years. So to hear it in the barn, in the finale of season three of Mr. Robot, I literally let out a gasp <laughs> Like when he said that. I was like, oh my God, like it just, it just brought back so much shit and, and it, it made it very clear that all this was happening around that time. And so the writers were really on the pulse of what was happening and they really found really great ways of tying in what was happening on the show with what was happening mm. in real time. Yeah, well, we did that as well with like the Ashley Madison hack as well. Exactly. In one. Yeah. I mean, the only the only example that he gave that he that was evidence that he had hacked their systems was that was fake was the last one, which was the um, 
about the the project the the mm. making um, the us give the un vote for them to annex the congo that's the only thing that was fake yeah. uh, that was just for the show but the other two examples he gave aside from them being tied to the dark army were real fucking events which is crazy but anyway that that was the south korea thing <laughs> that was me just geeking out for a sec because i got so excited yeah, like as someone who never somehow never realized any of that was happening like that's that's quite incredible to see like the level of detail they but they've managed to like bring into it like the real world kind of stuff crazy crazy talented writers in this show um i would highly recommend by the way if you because you weren't really aware of a lot of the crazy stuff mm. that was happening there's a reason i thought the world was going to end because of 2016 if you just i'm sure there's got to be articles out there that are just setting out a timeline of the madness that 2016 was 2016 was crazy there it was like it felt like every other week some massive world event was happening that no one was paying attention to and i was like <laughs> guys it, why are we not this has just happened why is no one concerned like it was mental I, i'm sure there's got to be stuff i would when you got a moment just google all of the like the the big world or the big political stories that happened from around the world in 2016 and you'll see why i was so fucking hooked on every news channel going uh, the only thing i remember 2016 for being like significant was just like the level of celebrity deaths during that time there's a lot of celebrity deaths happening yeah. as well yeah it was mad 2016 was a wild year 2016 was mad 2016 felt like a trip like if you live through 2016, you live through mm. some shit. I feel like 2020 is going to go down as that as well because of COVID. But like, fuck, 2016 was insane. Anyway, back to the show, back to the show. Um, <laughs> are we done with that scene in the barn? Did you have any other? Uh, no, I had no other notes about it, actually, at all. Okay. That's all my notes. Cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, so before they leave the barn, Mr. Robot asks, what do they do now? And Elliot says, undo the hack. So Elliot and Dom get into Santiago's car, RIP, and he logs into the Sentinel from the system in the car. Um, Dom says, don't think I'm doing this for you because, you know, fuck you. She doesn't say that last bit, but that's the sentiment. That was the look in her eyes. Yeah. Uh, she then gets out of the car. Um, Darlene calls after her and Dom tells Darlene that she's a horrible person and deserves pure agony. Done. You are a terrible person. Don't ever convince yourself of anything else. All you deserve for the rest of your life is pure and utter agony. That'll begin to scratch the surface of how I feel about you. You've taken everything from me. <laughs> My whole life is ruined because of you. Live with that. Die with that. She says that her whole life is ruined because of Darlene. Now, I would like to, I would beg to differ. Um, Dom, your whole life is ruined because you are a really good FBI agent. Well, I won't say really good because you took too long to figure out the Santiago thing, but she was the one that kept poking her nose in. 
she was the one because it, she couldn't let it go because she knew something didn't feel right. That was her gut. That didn't have anything to do with Darlene. Santiago worked for the Dark Army. You were suspicious of Santiago. Whether Darlene was there or not, or had sex with you or not, eventually this would have happened because you would never have let it go. Am I wrong in saying that? No, 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 no. I feel like no. that was really unfair to put everything that's just happened on Darlene. Mm. I think she's just hurt because they had sex. Yeah, like, yeah, she's she's definitely... Well, we've, we've seen kind of like um, how loneliness has affected her. That's true. That whole Alexa thing earlier on was mad. Was that earlier? Yeah. Was it this season? Or that was last season, I think. I think they did it. I think they did it in both. I remember there was like a short bit this season with it. I think one of her her introduction last season was was that. Yeah. So Elliot gets to work hacking the Sentinel, and Elliot realizes it wasn't Romero that was exporting the key data, um, but Romero was actually spying on the person that was. Darlene asks who it was, and we cut away to Subway. Um, there's soldiers on the train walking up and down talking about a curfew. Um, Darlene asks why Elliot asked about some childhood memory and says that that's the day their dad pushed him out of the window because he was mad for mad at him for telling their mum about his cancer. Darlene says, wait, what? Uh, Darlene says that she was there and Elliot smashed the window with a baseball bat and told their dad that he was going to jump and then jumped. Elliot says he doesn't remember any of that. And Darlene says she's there to remember for him, which was so cute. Um, as Darlene gets off the train, Mr. Robot sits opposite him. They get off at the next stop. And Elliot says that it was actually Mr. Robot that exported the key data. Uh, Mr. Robot wants to hold out a little longer. Undoing this won't fix anything. So obviously they're about to undo 5-9. Um, Mr. Robot says that they, I'm guessing, you know, the Jungs and Philip Prices of the world will have won. Uh, Elliot says he's doing it for himself. He can't live with what he did anymore. And he says they won't win because he's going to take down the 1% of the 1%. The ones who play God without permission, he's going to take them all down. Mr. Robot asks for them to be a team. And Elliot says that he jumped. He wasn't pushed. He asks if Mr. Robot knew that. Mr. Robot says that Elliot was right about there being a part of Elliot in him. And he transferred the keys to a remote virtual machine, burned it into a CD, and it turns that turns out that what Elliot needed was um, in a pic of him and his dad, where they're dressed like Marty and Doc, tying in a bit of that uh, Back to the Future. And with that, he can undo 5-9. So that was the end of the episode until a post credit scene where a car is driving slowly, where Darlene is walking with somebody and talking about the economy bouncing back. If E-Corp figure out how to bring everything back, um, the woman that she's walking with uh, says the only thing that can fix it is an act of God. Turns out that they actually just met that night and they were having a bit of an atter. Darlene shows up at Elliot's place. The woman walks off and the car that had been uh, kind of following Darlene uh, for a bit there, had circled back up and up the road and four guys get out and walk towards her. The main guy, fucking Fernando Vera. <laughs> and that is how episode 10 and subsequently season three of Mr. Robot ended. Nathan, final thoughts? Um. So... 
there's, there's a couple of like smaller significant things, but they kind of I can't talk too much about them because obviously I know like all, all season four and everything. But what did you think about the detail of um, it turning out that Elliot jumped out the window? Instead of the story being that he was pushed the whole time, like it turns out that he jumped. Yeah, I just, I literally always assumed that he did jump because it never made sense to me that his dad would push him out the window. So I just assumed he was misremembering that. Obviously, I didn't know the detail about the whole baseball bat thing that Darlene gave, but I just assumed that he had that wrong and that he jumped out the window. Okay. Why? No, no, no reason. <laughs> oh fuck's sake! Am I going to find out something before? It, it's it's it was just an interesting kind of misremembering to me, but like it, it I'm not saying anything. Ah, fuck's sake! Right, okay. <laughs> um, right. as for that as well, there's kind of it's been there's been like an underladen theme that we've not really spoken about in these, um, and it kind of it come to my mind because they show footage of Superman from I think. Superman 2, where he flies around Earth to reverse time. And that's kind of like a significance of kind of time travel. It's kind of been like a bit of an underlaid thing, especially with um, Angela's breakdown involving bringing back parents and kind of um, White Rose saying about meeting that assistant in another life or like yeah. seeing him see her again soon. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of like small underladen thing of time travel that I, I've seen people talk about it before that this is kind of under a, a hidden theme of it not to mention all the back to the future stuff not to mention that as well yeah they were yeah. dressed as marty and uh, doc in the picture that had yes. what he needed to undo five nine not to mention that it's undoing five nine which is undoing or going back yeah you know yeah there's a lot of that and it's kind of now with the five nine being undone they're back they've time traveled kind of towards season one again like the world is back to how it was in season one except elliot knows himself better so it, it that kind of goes along with that theme like it's, it's one of those things that i've i've never really explicitly pulled, like picked it out when i've watched before yeah um but it's it's one of those things that on the rewatch i've kind of noted more and more these kind of elements and hints towards this kind of this area of things. I don't know if you've kind of seen anything like that as well. You just mentioned a few things. Like, I don't know if you saw like kind of noticed much else of it. I noticed a fair bit. There's a stuff that did go over my head. Obviously, it's me, but I noticed. <laughs> I noticed uh, a fair bit. Um, I didn't mm. notice the Superman thing. I did not see that. I'm not gonna lie, but definitely wasn't lost on me. Um, that there was a there was a theme of going back. It was always about going back. It was always about going back for Angelo. It was always, you know, Back to the Future again was a big thing. It was there was definitely a lot about going back, and even in the way that going back and forth with uh, the scenes to build tension, going back and forth even when there was a different timeline with the whole Tyrell being made CTO. Um, now I'm starting to think that Elliot wiping that message off the mirror later on that kind of causes a tiny bit of confusion as to when things are happening was probably on purpose, maybe, um, to confuse you a little bit because again it's all about trying to figure out what timeline you're in, what is hap- like what is happening when, what's future, what's past, and I think 
there is a lot of that written into the writing it's really really interesting i can't wait for season four like i cannot wait to talk about it i can't wait to watch it and re-watch it and i might you know i might at some you know the holidays are coming up i'm gonna have some time off so I'm, i might once i've done you know episode four we've done the episodes for it on the show um i might watch it all back knowing everything i'll know at the yeah. end and try and catch more easter eggs i can imagine that was quite fun for you um yeah it's it's you get like um some things take on a bigger context and you kind of you kind of pick out hints towards stuff and you realize like just how well thought out the show is I mean, just an example of how well thought out the show is in the last episode, so in episode nine, you know, that scene with them at All Safe, uh, mm. when with Philip Price and um, and Tyrell Wellick. I didn't write this in my notes, but it just popped into my head. And Terry Colby. Terry Colby was a lech. is quite gross. Oh, get me yeah. another tea, darling, or whatever it was. Get me another water or whatever. And it reminds me, it reminded me in that moment, oh, that's what his character was. Like, do you remember? Like, even when, when he first met, or not when he first met, but when he was first first confronted by Angela, he was quite, he was quite gross, mm. quite misogynistic in the responses that he had for her, you know? Yeah. Um, so even that was just a nice little touch to remind you of who you're dealing with, like, to remind you this is Terry Colby. Like, yeah, you haven't seen him this season. Do you remember this guy? Like, it's kind of, I don't know. I love writing like that, where it's simple quick effective that's why the whole tyrell thing i was just like oh god when he said you know you might i don't want it to be something you'll regret that was too on the nose yeah and it's a bit it's an it made that more annoying because i know they write so well so they didn't need that but somebody pitched that in the writer's room and went <laughs> along with it but you know generally speaking the way they weave in random little bits is, is truly really really enjoyable to see and i can't wait to know everything and then watch it all back and see what else they did that with that i just didn't catch because i had no idea what was coming yeah there's i've i've noticed a lot more of that as i've gone through it's been uh, well, I'm, 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 detail, i would have loved to pick that up damn Mm. Oh, it's like it's like I'm simultaneously jealous that you get to watch it from fresh eyes, but also it feels awful what having you watch it from fresh eyes where I'm just here with like well, I know what's happening, I know what's going on, I can't say anything properly because I'm like, oh I can't spoil this, can't spoil that. But yeah, it it's it's like it's hit a peak now and it keeps going for the rest of the show. Like season four is it all everything kind of comes to fruition where you kind of realize that everything is really well thought is definitely as well thought out as you think it is well come to think of it so um season four if i'm not mistaken has 13 episodes Let me yes check. so here's my thought instead of doing a part one and part two like we've done for all the other seasons shall we do parts one two and three and talk i was yeah, four I was going to suggest the same four thing. Episodes, then five, or you know, four, five, four, however we figure it out. Yeah. Um, probably four, five, four, because the finale, I'm sure, will be absolutely insane. Yeah, I think it's like a, if I remember right, I think it's like a two-part if the finale. finale anyway. It looks like it. Yeah. It looks yeah. Like it. I I would say yeah, definitely. Um, because yeah. there's there's a lot to unpack in yeah. uh, season four. So I would definitely say that. I was going to suggest the same thing actually sick all right well listen thank you guys for listening thank you nathan for going through this with me this is so fun i can't wait to do this all for season four 
Um, was there anything you would like to promote to the listeners? Um, just my normal stuff of my Instagram, Nayfunk, and my Twitter, Nafers Jones, which I apparently went slightly viral in when I looked at my Twitter about halfway through the day. Oh yeah, you did, did you? Yeah, the weird, like of all the of all the shit all that the I post, <laughs> of all the shit that I post, that's the one that takes off. Uh, if you want to know what we're talking about, go to Nafers <laughs> Jones on uh, on Twitter. If you don't know how to spell that, go in the description box. It's right there um as for me it's always the usual stuff if you want to see what i'm rambling on about on twitter i don't go viral i just talk shit uh at linda is or you can follow the podcast at pot of mercy on instagram and twitter please go on itunes and give us five stars rate us five stars so that other people can find it and listen to episodes like this one or regular episodes that are nothing to do with tv shows um but yeah this was fun and this was a bonus episode so i'm not going to see you in two weeks i'm going to see you next week with a special guest co-host that i haven't even organized yet um but yeah have a great wednesday or whatever day you're listening this to this on if i can get my words right and i'll see you next week